Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Bataround. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. Today's show brought to you by PressBox Offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in the deposit bonus match, plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers to claim your incentive. I tried to tried to combine the words deposit and bonus, and it came out as deponus. 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 Uh, $1,000 in deponus match. Uh, I guess that could work. Like, like Depotus? A, like, the president like, like, of the United States? Like, um, like uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Benifer? Hmm? You yeah. Know? Or, You're just going to start or, making... Or Brangelina. Making new things out here. Yeah, just making new words. Deponus. It means deposit your bonus. Anyway, welcome to the battle round. Orioles, victors over the Chicago White Sox last night, 6-3, to three, in a game that Zachary Goodman, frankly, they looked dead in the water, right? They had one hit, I think, going into the sixth inning. Uh, they, had had, they had walked five times to that point, but weren't able to score any runs. They had grounded into a couple of double plays. It wasn't looking good for the home team, our home team, not the home team in the game. Um, but then... They managed to load the bases there in the seventh inning with uh, with um, two outs. Cedric Mullins comes up. He walks to bring in the Orioles' first run. And then the Lord and Savior, the Savior of Baltimore, the hometown hero, Adley Rutschman steps to the plate and immediately falls behind 0-2. Now, 0-2, yeah. you're looking to protect, right? You're, you're looking, especially in that situation, you're just trying to, to, to stay alive until you finally get a pitch that you can hit. Who in the hell in this game, 0-2, takes a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and rips it to the opposite field into the gap for a ga- for a go-ahead three-run double? Not many players in Major League Baseball, I'll tell you that. Who, 0-2, on the outer third. Yeah. And you just smack that ball into the left center field gap. Adley Rutschman is absolutely incredible. This is the day after hitting a walk-off home run mm-hmm. on a 1-0 pitch in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Athletics to take three or four in that series. It, he's unstoppable. Yeah. Ho-hum, he reached base four times again. This guy is on base twice a game, minimum. Yeah. He's on base yeah. twice a game, minimum. And There's very few games where he's not on base in some capacity, whether it's a hit-by-pitch, whether it's a walk, whether it's a home run, a double, who knows? I mean... Th- this guy does it all. We, we've known that for a while, but I, I think he's taken his game to a whole other level this season. We're starting to see it. It's it's incredible. I had to erase a tweet before I hit send oh last night because I was like, I don't feel like dealing with the backlash of this. I was going to tweet out, he's Ted Williams. All right. I, I was going to, I was going to, exactly. I deleted it. I might have uh, not liked that one. But <laughs> uh, the, the, the thing is, I know that he's not Ted Williams, but have you ever seen. A guy, and look, we're three week, two and a, we're two weeks into the season. I get it, but have you ever seen somebody play the game like Adley Rutschman for the Baltimore Orioles? I, I I've been watching the Orioles a long, long time, and mm-hmm. look, you, the early season baseball brings a lot of overreactions. Er- and, Eric Thames hitting like ten home runs in in April that one year and batting like three fifty seven and everyone thought he was god and then the next next month in, I don't, in May I, I don't think that happened oh, that definitely happened 
Eric, I, I, Eric Thames for the Brewers one year was unreal in April, and then had a horrible rest of the season. And now when was this? Because of, I remember him going. To, I remember maybe, him going to Japan and being unreal. Oh, he he did it in Major League Baseball for the Brewers. This was maybe 2018. Um, okay, he, I remember him going to the going to the to Japan. And being absolutely phenomenal. Oh, he was too. Yeah. And then I remember him coming back and getting off to a good start. I don't remember being like 357 with 10 home runs. It, in it April. was pretty insane. I mean, 2017 he hit 31 home runs, but a lot of them were in April. He was unbelievable, mm-hmm. and then fell off a cliff. But yeah. Um. Well, we'll have to look further into that because I don't know that it was as great as as you said. But Adley Rutschman was a no- lot lot different than Eric Thames in in the fact that Adley was the number one overall pick in 2019. He was considered maybe the best catching prospect since. Um, since Johnny Bench and maybe the best overall prospect since Bryce Harper, which is it's high praise. So Eric Thames in 2017 hit 10 home runs in uh, in April. He was just the second player in Brewers franchise history to tally double digit home runs in April. Uh, so he did do it. He's no Brady Anderson er- who, hit, who <laughs> hit 11 home runs in April <laughs> in 1996. Yeah. So uh, Alex Rodriguez and uh, and Albert Pujols are the all time April leaders. Uh, they have I guess 14 home runs in April. But there you go. So Eric Thames and Adley Rutschman. Uh, I guess they're I don't know why I'm comparing them, but yeah, I have no idea why. Why I, I just co- thought of that. I, j- just for the record, I compare Adley Rutschman <laughs> to to Ted Williams, and Eric, Zach com- 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 compares him to Eric Thames, who is no longer in Major League Baseball. Who was was good for like one year yeah. in Major League Baseball that year. Yeah. Um. Okay, you were right. Uh, what did he bat? Because you said he hit like 357 I, in April. I don't know. I mean, he was really good. I just remember that. I mean, he he. You know why I know this too? One of the reasons is uh, fantasy baseball. No, not fantasy baseball. I used to play a lot of MLB The Show back in 2017, and they gave him like a 99 overall card for his month of April because he was so ridiculously good. But it really? was it was definitely over 300. I don't know if it was as high as 357. Well, how, I might have been embellishing you, a little you bit. You just figured out how how many home runs. Oh, I just he hit. I just googled April Eric Thames. This is the Bleacher Report article that came up about his April. Oh, so gotcha. Yeah. There you go. Man, you don't you just don't like using the split, oh here we go we have the, the splits page on Baseball Reference. No. Oh, sometimes it's a little bit confusing. He batted 345. He slugged 810. Okay. In April of 2017. So there we go. Okay. Okay. You were right. <laughs> I was wrong. Adley Rutschman might as well, you know, start start getting on his level. Uh, Adley Rutschman <laughs> might as well be Eric Thames. <laughs> All right. Um, no, but what Adley's doing right now, and again, it's still early. He's going to come back down to earth a little bit. But yeah. as Adley goes, so go the Orioles. And you look oh. at at his approach at the plate. The Orioles going into last night's game led Major League Baseball in pitches seen per at-bat. They were averaging 4.2 pitches seen per at-bat. And then last night, they see 5.125 pitches per at-bat, and they walk nine times. I've never seen a team this patient in Baltimore. It's a, It's been a long time. It's I've, been a really long time. I, I don't ever remember a team being this patient. From top to bottom... Even guys like Jorge Mateo and Ryan Mountcastle are yep. are, are are having really good at bats, really good at bats, and they're yeah. Everybody's like, I believe Austin Hayes struck out on a pitch yesterday that started out of the strike zone and might as well have ended up in the dugout. He did, and like he checked his swing, but he definitely went around. And he even knew it was like when you swing at a pitch like that, the immediately thought the, the immediate thought that goes through your head is 
Oh my God, that's so embarrassing. Austin Hayes has more check swings than anyone I've ever seen play Major League Baseball. He checks his swing on even when you get a you know strike right down the middle at ninety five or whatever it is. He'll just move the bat a little bit just to do it. He does that all the time. And I remember two years ago or so, I think it was twenty twenty, the season, uh, or maybe three years ago. I don't know what it was, but. He got a lot of calls against him because he was coming around a lot more than he should have, and it looks like he's fixed that a little bit. But he did do that last night. Yeah, he's um, and he's been swinging a hot stick. But sure enough, sure enough, he comes up a little lame last night. Apparently, he like over like hyperextended his toes or something like that when he <laughs> stepped on uh, second base on his double, uh, which was the hardest hit ball of his career. 110.5 miles per hour off the bat. His previous career high was 110.3. Oh, so the hardest hit ball of his career. And look, he had to hustle to get in the second base because he hit it so hard the center fielder got to it pretty quickly. Um, and he limped home on the Jorge Mateo double. Uh, Brandon Hyde said, he, said that he's fine, but it's just a microcosm, right? Because we're so used to seeing this guy get hurt, and last year he started out the same way. Started out super, super hot the first three months, got hurt, and then he fell off a cliff. It's two weeks in. It seems like an injury where he might not play today. Maybe he'll DH today. Um, just to kind of get off his feet a little bit. But it's something that you're already thinking about, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to worry about it with Austin Hayes because we've seen so many of these little injuries that they have. Uh, Austin Hayes, more specifically, turn into bigger ones. I mean, Michael Givens is a good example of a guy we thought was going to be out for, you know, two, three weeks. It was supposed to be minor, and here we are, almost, you know, halfway through April now, and Michael Givens still isn't back, and we don't have a timetable when he's going to be back. Well, they, they, we think by the end of the month. Well, they told us at the, in spring training that, uh, that it was probably going to be mid-April. Yeah, yeah. He had a side session the other day. He's expected yep. to begin a rehab assignment next week, I believe. Yeah. It's mid-April. But we remember last year with Adley Rutschman probably spending, what, three weeks more on the injury list than he was supposed to? There are, there are these things where we hear about these mi- supposedly minor injuries that turn into a lot Supposedly less. is not a word. Supposedly, sorry, uh, turn into a, a lot bigger injuries than we think they are. So with Austin Hayes, it's especially concerning because he's Austin Hayes and he's had injuries uh, throughout his entire career and that's kind of what, what's plagued his career to this point so with him it's it's particularly concerning so we would definitely have to have to be concerned with that and uh, hopefully yeah, he's and, okay and, because and he, his bat's been good the, bat, the bat's been good I noticed about him and this is maybe this is why people think I'm a, think I'm miserable um, <laughs> I see these tweets all the time on Twitter by the way I, I, I noticed I, I noticed about him that his bat that his hits, his hard contact, pretty much solely come with nobody on base. Yeah, uh, he had he uh, and look, I'd rather him hit three fifty like he is right now than not. Yeah, and I have no, I, I I love what he's doing. He actually had had a base hit the other day, but he, on what was what was the day before, on what was it Thursday against the Athletics in that final game of the series. He got a base hit in his first at bat with a runner on first base. It was his just his third hit in 19 plate appearances with with a runner on base. Just his third hit with a runner on base, uh, and he's hitting 350. Yeah. So it goes to show you how often the hard contact, the big base hits he's getting, the big home runs he's getting. Uh, all of his home runs are solo shots, by the way. Yeah. How often he's getting big hits. When there's nobody on. That's not the only issue with Austin Hayes. For me, it's the defense, too. If you look at defensive yeah. war right now, he's already negative uh, 0.4. His offensive war is 0.5, but that leaves him at 0.1 right now on baseball reference for mm-hmm. war. That's kind of concerning. Negative 0.4 is already, uh, this early in the season, is concerning for well, me. Well, his defensive metrics um, haven't been good the last couple of years. No. And people talk about how good of a defender he is because they remember him making that huge catch in 2018 
or 2019, I guess it was, um, in center field. They, they, they know how good his arm is. But he makes some, like, curious decisions. He like does. throwing to second base with the bases loaded on a flyout <laughs> and allowing the, the runner to advance to third. Um, you know, overrunning fly ball. Like, how many times? We've seen him already twice in big situations overrun pop-ups down the left field He has line. done that. We saw him let a pop-up drop where Gunnar Henderson was full sprint with his back towards the infield, and he stopped to try and let Gunnar catch the ball like... Gunner would have had to do a complete 360 to catch that ball, and you're looking right at it. It lands at your feet. Why would you not try yeah. to catch that? We've seen poor decisions and just like like just faux pas in the outfield, yeah. and then not just from not just from Alston, from McKenna, from Santander, from Mullins. Nobody's exempt from this, except for uh, Kyle Stowers, who had his one game and made two really nice catches out there, didn't make an error, made every play you're supposed to, and then gets sent down because Ryan McKenna should be here. Mm. Story for another day. Yeah, to go to Austin Hayes' savant page, uh, his batting metrics are excellent. He's in the red and the, the dark red for basically every hitting metric. Uh, but if you look at the defensive metrics, first percentile, outs above average, the very worst percentile you can be in. Mm-hmm. 12 for outfielder jump. And for arm strength, 100. So he, it's complete opposite. I mean, the, the glove isn't very good, but the arm is incredible. Yeah, it's. But look, Austin Hayes is having a really nice start to the season. Nobody's going to care about his defense if he keeps hitting three fifty. True, which he's not going to do. But if 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 he finally puts it together for a full season and hits say two seventy five or twenty five to thirty home runs, nobody's going to care that he, he that he is a mediocre defender. Say Austin Hayes goes on the injured list today for some reason. Who comes up? I have no idea. The yeah. conventional wisdom would think Kyle Stowers. You, you would think. Yeah. You would think, but maybe Jordan Westberg because he can play. He, he can play a little bit of everything, and they like they like that kind of versatility. And he's right-handed. I don't. I, I don't know, man. Brandon Hyde does not like Kyle Stowers. He really doesn't. He, you know, he really it, doesn't. It's and like. I don't think he dislikes him as a person. I just don't think that Brandon Hyde thinks Kyle Stowers is a very good baseball player. I think it goes far beyond him, though. I think it's the whole front office is not too big on Kyle Stowers. You know what? I don't want to get into this. I have my own opinions on this, and a lot of people agree with me. A lot of people don't agree with me. But I'm not I'm not a big Brandon Hyde fan. And I, I, I wanted to give him a chance. I... I I'm not a big Brandon Hyde fan, and we'll we'll just leave it at that. Orioles, they're eight and six. Um, they've won four of their last five after their victory, six to three over the White Sox last night. The bullpen had some changes to it. Uh, Keegan Aiken goes on the paternity list. He's expecting his first child with his wife this weekend, so he's on the paternity list. Um, they sent down Cole Irvin, who was their big trade yeah. acquisition, and he's given them nothing. Seventeen hits, fifteen runs. Uh, in 12 and two-thirds innings. He's not... And eight walks, by the way. The only time he's missing bats is when he's throwing pitches out of the strike zone. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he's just it, it, really, really awful start. And the guy who gave who had a, over 180 innings last year, a sub-four ERA, three starts into his tenure with the Orioles, and he's already down in the minor leagues. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. I, I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Uh, he, he's been far worse than anybody could have predicted. The the stuff doesn't look good. The command hasn't been good. And he's obviously one of those guys who doesn't throw very hard. I mean, he's an 89, 93. Maybe you'll see him top out at. He just doesn't throw that hard. So you've got to have good stuff. You've got to have good, have good command. 
And he really doesn't have any of that. So to me right now, he's not a major league pitcher. He hasn't looked like one. He's struggled. He's everyone's hit off him. I mean, the athletics teed off him. Um, not was the athletics. Who, who was the team who put up a, a a really crooked number? I think it was six earned runs on him. It the was the athletics. It was the A's. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was yeah his, his former team and, and a team that doesn't have any firepower in their lineup. Yeah, you you, you could have uh, fooled me based on how well they hit the Orioles. I mean, true. It seemed like every game was eight to seven. You know the the, the Athletics putting up a ton of runs. The Orioles pitching staff is a little bit concerning right now. Now, in the long run, I'm not overly concerned because I think that they have arms coming. But the moves that they made, the curious moves that they made before heading into the series against Chicago, like I said, they were curious. Spencer Watkins and Yenier Cano are the yeah. guys called up to replace Aiken and Irvin. Mm-hmm. And it's where's Nick Vespi? You know, Good uh, question. The, if it had been Spencer Watkins and um, Nick Vespi, or even, and I hate to say it because I still don't think he's very good, but Joey Crable, you can understand that. Yenier Cano, and look, Yenier Cano was the savior of the game last night. He was. He went an inning in two-thirds of hitless, scoreless ball, got a big double play uh, when the Orioles really needed it. I mean, they, they took that lead 4-3 to three, uh, last night, and then immediately CNL Perez comes in and puts runners on base. So there's nobody out. He finally he, he gets an out. They pull, they pull him out of the game. No, I'm sorry. He got it out like on the first batter. It was a ground out to first base. And then he puts two guys on. They bring in Cano. Cano goes 3-2 before finally getting a double play ball and getting out of, out of the inning. And then clean inning the next inning. I didn't see that coming. But also, he went 3-2 on three of the four batters that he faced. Threw mm-hmm. a lot of pitches to those four batters. Savior of the game last night. Do you have any confidence, though, in him moving forward? Well, I mean, the, the Orioles thought enough of him uh, to trade for him. So we'll say that there's something there, obviously, with him. And I actually didn't get to see him pitch last night, did mm-hmm. not see his outing. Uh, so I can't necessarily speak on the stuff or, or the commander, what he did last night. But he pitched well, um, on the on paper at least, and, and from what you're saying. So to me, he should get a chance because the bullpen's been struggling and they need guys there. But I don't necessarily have a ton of confidence now. Yeah, and Mike Bauman. Mike Bauman's a guy who I'm who I'm gaining confidence in the more I see him pitch. On his sixth outing of the year last night, fifth scoreless. He's earning the opportunity and the right to pitch in high leverage situations late in the ball game. He did a phenomenal job uh, getting through his inning last night. Tyler Wells, absolutely dominant. He gave up one hit in the first five innings. It was a home yeah. run to Berger. Um, which the Orioles beat writers had a nice little um, they they sure nice did. little thing going on Twitter last night. I saw night. someone throwing a Springsteen reference. I, I did see that. That was what you I took are, away from that. You are so in love with Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> man. Does he know that you're the president of his fan club? Look, honestly. You, you and Ken Weinman just standing there yeah, with, we, with, with your posters <laughs> up against the gate. Uh, like, my God. Somehow. I he, wish he knew. It's like it's like in Seinfeld when they mention Superman every episode. Mm. Uh, Zach mentions Bruce Springsteen every show. Every show. He's always relevant. I mean, he you is know. completely irrelevant. He's relevant to Zach Goodman and sixty-year-olds everywhere. Mm. Ugh. Anyway, anyway, um, uh, I made you lose it, your train of thought. No, because in, of- in my notes, I th- it said it says pitching woes taking some of the sweetness of the start away. And I thought, you know, my, you know my favorite part about your notes. You said. Adley Rutschman is good. Cole Irvin is not. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Uh, but I thought it said, pitching woes taking some of the sweetness of the tart away. And it made mm. me laugh and pause for a second. It, but that's not what it said. But let's try and fix this um, 
fix this right now because I think that Kyle Staff right now because I think that Kyle Gibson, okay. he's obviously in your rotation. Yeah. Tyler Wells is obviously in your rotation right now. Grayson Rodriguez is obviously in your rotation right now. I think so. And then, but then you've seen Dean Kramer and Cole Irvin just be god awful yeah. in their first three starts. They called up Spencer Watkins. I don't think they called up Spencer Watkins to start. I think they called him up to, no. to provide uh, long relief yeah. in the bullpen because Bradish, he had an outing yesterday. It, he gave up four runs, three earned in the fourth inning, but uh, innings one through three and inning five were clean for him. He, he had a good outing otherwise. Um, he's going to be back to start on Wednesday in D.C. And so now you're looking at, you know Bradish is going gonna, is gonna to be in that rotation. Kramer's still in there. Yeah, They're going to give him another opportunity. Who do you replace? I don't. If Kramer isn't good, who do you put in the in the rotation in place of him? Is it Spencer Watkins? Is he back already? DL Hall was not good his first outing and really good his second outing. Mm-hmm. I think he, I believe he pitches tonight. Okay, uh, because he hasn't pitched since Sunday. I thought he was going to pitch last night. He, I believe he pitches tonight for Norfolk if he's good again and Kramer's bad in his next start. Are you starting? Are you, are you bringing up D.L. Hall to take his spot in the rotation, or do you think he's not built up yet? He's throwing 80 pitches in outing. Okay. Um, Bruce Zimmerman's been okay. Drew Rom's been good, but I don't think they look at him that way, at least not yet anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with the rotation. Who, who's in your starting rotation if Kramer doesn't get it done? Yeah, it's tough. Did you mention the Bradish return? Because I that's did. imminent. I, I, okay. I said he starts Wednesday in D.C. Right. So Okay. So you have... Rodriguez is going to stay in for the time being, I think. More out of necessity and not necessarily that he's blown anyone away. But like Bradish last year, he's going to be in there and learn. And that's yeah. the important part about it. So he's going to be there. Kyle- and, and that's one of the reasons that they sent Cole Irvin down is because, look, yeah. you're going to keep Grayson Rodriguez in your rotation. Yeah. he, You're not going to have two guys right. or even yeah. three where you're trying to hope that they turn it around. It's weird with Dean Kramer because I, I think that I would have said two weeks ago, oh, he's staying in, in until he can't. Like, he literally physically can't. But then you see them option Irvin. Mm-hmm. And my, I, I think it has to be Watkins then. That that would be the guy that would step in. And that's not the guy I'd like to step in. That's not. But out of necessity, uh, if Dean Kramer's ERA is ballooning like six or seven, uh, which it is right now, you got to be concerned with that and say, okay, let's give Spencer a shot, even though he's, you know, proven to be a very mid-level, not low-level, I'd say, starting pitcher. He had, a, he had a nine-start stretch last year where he was really good. He was. You know, um, which was something we didn't see coming. And then he had a few starts where he got knocked around and he was yeah. sent down to the minors again. I don't know what to think about Spencer Watkins. I, I'm going with my gut with him and thinking he's not a big league starter. I don't, I, th- I don't I think would, I don't think yeah. he's a big league pitcher, to be perfectly honest no. with you. I think he's a 4A pitcher. And so that that's what my gut tells me about Spencer Watkins. Um, I don't think that they're ready to bring D.L. Hall up yet. I, I think that they want to get him, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten starts before they consider bringing him up. They don't. It's crazy how we thought they had so many options, but look, Austin Both has been awful. He's had five appearances. He's given up at least one home run in all five appearances. He's been awful. If I thought that Kramer was going to get on track against the Athletics, I really believed that he was going to end up. Um, Going six innings of one or two run ball against yeah. them and get his confidence back. That did not happen. He got knocked around again. Gave up two big home runs, and so you're looking at that. And it's if he had pitched well, then you're thinking, okay, your rotation is going to be Gibson, Rodriguez, um, Bradish, Irvin, and Kramer. Mm-hmm. You DFA both. You send Wells to the bullpen because he gives you really solid long relief. You move Mike Bauman into a later inning, 
role. You you call up uh, Nick Vespi to replace Keegan Aiken, and you um you wait till Givens and Tater back, and maybe you can get off on, onto a run here. And look, the Orioles yeah. are eight and six. They have they have a solid record. It's still early in the season. Um, but look, last year they started the season one and five. So being eight and six through fourteen yep. games right now, and having never been more than one game below five hundred, now a season I two games over five hundred. Um, they're 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 playing solid baseball. They're sticking right in the thick of things. Um, I think that that would have absolutely saved this pitching staff. All those moves I just mentioned. Yeah. But Kramer not pitching well throws a, re- a wrench in everything because now you got to replace two guys in your starting rotation possibly. Um, and really three, if you think about it, because Kyle Bradish got hurt, so Grayson Rodriguez had to come up and replace him. You're two weeks into the season, you've already had to place, replace potentially three guys in your rotation. Yeah, Not good. This makes me really question the longevity of Dean Kramer on this roster. Because last year, he had a lot of bad starts. And then he came off the, or it came up again, they, br- they brought him up and he was good Well, again. that's not true either. That's I mean, not true. Last year, he got hurt on opening day warming up. Okay, that's fair. And, and he that's went fair. he went down to the minors. He was down there for a month when he came up. And then he came up. I'm, I'm sorry, he was down there. For, he was he was down for two months because he had the injury that lasted the entire month, and he was in the minors for a month. He came up, and he pitched really well in June, and then he had four or five starts where he yeah. was mediocre at best in July, and then from August on, he turned it on. He did. He did. But I I mean, he still ended up with, what, a four-something ERA? No, or his ERA was 3-2-3. Okay, that's fair. I mean... It, to me, I haven't seen the consistency yet from Kramer, and oh, I don't no, have the, I don't have the confidence there. There's been a but lot more bad from Kramer than there than there's been yeah. good. And, and honestly, when Corbin Burns went through his arbitration thing with the Brewers and was talking about how you know the relationship is soured and all that, yeah. and you could tell he didn't want to be there. And we gotta get Sandal on if you want to give him a call. But um, I was thinking, well, you know what, the Orioles could use a Corbin Burns in their rotation. We have too many infielders; they could use an infielder. Why not trade Dean Kramer and maybe Ramon Arias to play with his brother and you know, maybe one of those infield prospects down the minors um, and go and get a Corbin Burns. Obviously, that was a pipe dream. The Orioles didn't do that. And now Dean Kramer is really struggling in the rotation for the Orioles. So that didn't play out the way I had hoped it would. And the rotation, we're, we're talking in spring training about how they have 9, 10, 11 options. Now they have less options and spots that the, than they have filled. So... It's been been a weird start to the season for the pitching for sure. Hopefully they can get things figured out. Want to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by Birdland Sports. Oh, fans, did you know that one of your fellow fans is the owner of Birdland Sports? That's why that's right. Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support a small business run by one of your own. New this week at Birdland Sports, a group of shirts celebrating Celebrating the Homer Hose or the Hydration Station, or you know, and they're all on sale for $19.99. Don't wait, head to birdlandsports.com today and show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. Joining us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan. Charles, he's live on the Battleground. Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, Stan, how, how impressive has Adley Rutschman's start to the season been? It seems like he's on base two or three times every single game recently, four or five times, he's been as advertised and way, way better. Yeah, there's really not a lot I can add to that, uh, to be honest with you, Paul. He's a, he's a really unique performer. 
Um, I'm always reminded when I watch somebody as good as him in the clutch, uh, the, uh, the, the comment that Johnny Padres made, but Johnny Padres was a Los Angeles Dodger pitcher back in the 50s and early 60s. And he always said that great players don't get better in the clutch, that they just don't recede from the moment, that they're able to keep their game at the same level while those around them, you know, meaning in this case the pitcher, sort of chokes. And it's really, uh, I think there's something to that. Yeah, Stan, I got to tell you, I don't think that there's many hitters in Major League Baseball that fall behind 0-2 like Rutschman did in the seventh inning yesterday. And then on the next pitch, 99 on the outer third of the plate, and they just rip it the opposite way into the left center field gap for a three-run double. That was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen Adley Rutschman do, and his season's been filled with nothing but impressive things. What were your... You know, it's it's interesting. You use the term, there's not a lot of hitters that would fall, that fall, what'd you say, fall, fall back? Uh, 0-2 or... No, no, there, there's not a lot of hitters that 0-2 can take 99 on the outer third and rip but it to you, the opposite But you field. made it sound like you made it sound like it was the pitcher made him 0-2. He, he has the, the most unique thing that he has is no matter what the outcome, I always feel that he controls like 8 out of 10 at bats that mm-hmm. he's controlling it. No, and that that, that that was that was my point. He was down 0-2, and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, yeah. he's not going to swing at a bad pitch here. He's going to work this count and probably get it back to 2-2 before something happens. Right. And But it was the next pitch. 99 out of 30, yeah. and he takes it to the opposite field. It, it, he does something amazing every single night. It's it's just been unbelievable yeah. to see. He is yeah. everything we yeah. hoped and dreamed he would be to mm-hmm. this point. Now, somebody who's not... And, much, and as you said, much more. Yeah, much more. absolutely so impressive. Yeah. Somebody who has not been impressive is Cole Irvin. He was optioned to AAA the other day after allowing 15 runs on 17 hits and 8 walks in just 12 and two-thirds innings covering his first three starts. Stan, Orioles traded uh, uh, Darnell, Daryl Arnaiz, uh for for him back in January. He was immediately given a spot in, ro- in the rotation at the end of January before ever doing anything for the Orioles. And now he's already optioned to AAA. They, they called up Spencer Watkins. Were you surprised at the call-up of Spencer Watkins and Yenier Cano to kind of try and help this pitching staff, number one? And number two, what does Cole Irvin need to do to get back? Because the eight walks are maybe the most alarming thing. Well, this is one of those cases the Orioles were in, were in and figured to be in almost daily peril with their starters not giving them the the length that they needed. This is not. Look, I'm. Trust me. They if Cole Irvin was pitching well and the rest around him weren't, he wouldn't have been optioned. There's no question sure. about it. This is not some desperate situation. They went. I'm sure that this is the way they phrased it to him. Is look, we know you're better than this. You're you're not pitching well. You're not needed for another five or six days. The timing is that Bradish will be back. Go get a game down, you know. Get a get get uh, innings under your feet, and uh, you'll be back up. Uh, this is not to me. This is not like a panic move. They needed desperately needed arms, and one of those arms, and they also put uh, Keegan Aiken on the paternity list. One of those arms helped them win a game last night, and that was Yanni Cano. 
last year was a, you know, I mean, I wondered what the hell they added him into that trade. He came over from Minnesota in the Jorge Lopez trade. Um, this spring, he showed a little bit about why Mike Elias doesn't just get throw-ins and deals. He gets something extra that there's a little value-added thing there. And uh, last night, uh, he he pitched very well. I mean, well enough that uh, he, he immediately moves up a tick in the uh, grand scheme of things right now with the Orioles. Yeah, look, he did pitch well. He came in, he did his job. He got that double play after Perez put two on with one out uh, in that in that um, seventh inning, and he had a clean eighth inning. He fell behind, he, he not fell behind, but he had three two counts on three of the four batters that he faced. His, the big bugaboo with him last year and to start this year is that he walks too many guys. Yeah. Is there a concern there considering he did get the three two counts with all those guys, or is it much ado about nothing because ultimately he got his, his job done? I mean, I don't think it's much ado about nothing. You'd like to see somebody that controls, from the pitching side of things, that controls the strike zone a little bit better than he does, and that's mm-hmm. probably why he's 29 years old and was a throwing in a deal, and uh, the Orioles saw something in him. Uh, trust me, it wasn't an accident that they ended up with Yannier Cano. Sure. Uh, they like the arm. Uh, they like his pitch ability. But, uh, you know, he's, I, I mean, he's not, He's at this point in time, after watching him one game, he's not Tate or Givens at their best, but he he might be an important part here. You know, Brandon the other day at the press conference before the day game on Thursday said now they're looking at uh, Tate as being uh, like late May, mm-hmm. you know, they, so, they, or they sometime that... in mid to late May. So he's out another month. Well, they they said know? that towards the end of spring training, it was looking more like mid to late May. Um, so yeah. that was that that was something that they said uh, towards the end of spring training. So are the Orioles then do you think that they're kind of just trying to figure it out, piece something together and maybe tread water until those guys are ready to come back cuz it seems like Givens might be back in the next week or two um to kind of help out this bullpen. Uh, I was surprised that it was Cano and Watkins up. Are they just trying to piece it together until they get some of their better arms back? Um I mean, who who were the alternatives beyond that? Well, I mean, seriously, I'm I'm not I'm not that familiar with the top twenty minor league pitchers, but uh, both of them are. Watkins, I think, had a five ERA down there or four or something ERA, but uh, Cano had pitched very well. I don't think he let up a run in three or four appearances for Norfolk. Um, but you know, they had those two guys. They got uh, Bruce Zimmerman. Would you rather Zimmerman be up than? Watkins, I wouldn't. Well, I, I was thinking if you're replacing I mean, a lefty in the bullpen and Keegan Aiken, Nick Vespi's been phenomenal for Norfolk since the end of 2021. Right. Um, and I know that he's a soft tosser, but he's doing something right down there. I mean, if he keeps going, giving scoreless appearances, you would think he would come up, and I don't think he has the control issues that Yenny or Cano has. I, just, I was surprised to see it beat Cano and Watkins to start. Zach? Oh, I, was I wasn't say. surprised to see I wasn't surprised to see Cano I think it would be a, a really de- sort of dire situation for them to bring Bruce Zimmerman up. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't expect Zimmerman no. either. All I was going to say is that I think they need, at the end of the day, someone that can provide length, which I'm not sure Nick Vespi really can. How many innings can he provide you per well, outing? Wa- Wa- Watkins is there for for the day that they got. You know, they, look, Brandon tried to go out of his way the other day to say, hey, 
awesome both. He gave up the home run, but then he got six big outs in, in a game, you know, that we desperately needed. And that that was a positive for him. But the bottom line, and you put it in your notes, he's given up a home run in all of his appearances this year. So I don't think that, that they want to make him the next guy up. Watkins, if, if the starting pitcher today, uh, Gibson, somehow doesn't give them length, I think that Spencer Watkins is the guy that they brought up to, to take a bullet and pitch three or four innings in a game you know, that that's uh, important for them to not soak up other arms in the bullpen. Right. And my, my point wasn't that it should have been Vespi instead of Spencer Watkins. The Watkins move I got, I was thinking more along the lines of Yenny or Cano because of the control issues. I thought I thought it would have been Vespi because I thought he earned it to this point. Mike Ballman, Stan, is certainly earning it. He's quietly gone five of six outings scoreless. Is he earning higher leverage situations for this team? Because he's doing a damn fine job right now. Yeah, I think he's uh, earning it. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, uh, he's sort of the next man up, and he's taken – he and Gillespie have both done uh, representative jobs. I really like Bauman in this role. You know know me. I'm a a convertible guy. I like to convert failed starters to relievers if I I think they're worth – you notice I don't mention – and this isn't a, a knock on him in any way as a person, but I don't mention, hey, why don't they turn Bruce Zimmerman into a relief pitcher? Right. You know, I don't think his stuff plays really at this point in time anywhere. You know, but a Michael Bauman, it's really interesting when he comes in and pitches. You know, to three to six hitters, he's going to be pretty tough. He's going to be ter- pretty tough uh, to deal with. You know. Uh, He's got uh, he's got a lot of live action on his pitches, you know. Yeah, no, uh, I, Mike Palmer, when they moved him to a, I'm usually a guy when I see somebody who has some minor league success as a starter. I want to see them keep him as a starter and see if he can translate it to the big leagues. Mike Ballman was one right. of those guys where, yeah, I wanted to see him start in the big leagues, and he did a a, a solid job in his uh, spot starts last year. But moving him to a relief role just makes made so much sense to me because he can actually be a power arm if he only has to go, like you said, face three yeah. to six hitters. And that's what he's showing right now, and he's earning opportunities to pitch in higher leverage situations. He's flourishing in this role. I think it was one of the smarter moves the Orioles have made this past off season, um, converting him. Uh, with the rotation, and we're going to talk about the offense here in just a second, but with the rotation, stand right now, Cole Irvin's been um, optioned to AAA. And th- the way you're speaking of it, it seems more like that time when they sent Wei Yin Chen down because they didn't need a starter at that point. Um, more yeah. th- more than it was a demotion. Uh, Dean Kramer has not been good. Both has had his struggles coming out of the bullpen. So now you're looking at when we thought we had nine, ten, eleven guys for this rotation. Now it's who do you spot together for your five? And I maybe that's not the right term, spot together. But who do you put together for your five starters? You know, Gibson, Rodriguez, and Wells are in there. Bradish is coming back. He wasn't exactly dominant last night in his start- rehab start for Bowie. What's your concern um, level for this rotation right now? Um, it's it's not high. I, I I'm not panicking just yet. You know, uh, I think what what put the spotlight on them a little bit more is is that start that Tampa Bay got off to. You know, mm-hmm. if they come back to earth a little bit, I think the 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 panic level would recede a great deal. You know. Uh, I mean, look, we, we knew that this wasn't going to be 
a smooth ride with all these starters, that everything was going to go right with them. It's one of the reasons you do like to have nine or ten different options. Mm-hmm. But uh, this club doesn't have nine or ten options. It's got like, you know, six or seven options, and one of them uh, not going to be up for at least another 10, 12 days, I guess, unless they find an injury somewhere. So right. uh, it, it's, it's, it's an imperfect uh, evolving process right now, getting the starting pitching, but they've got to get more length. And they got a little bit more last night by Wells. He pitched uh, really pretty brilliantly uh, for most of his start last night. Yeah, he he seemed to tire out in the sixth inning. That's kind of more so, Stan, just because it, it might be his first time getting six ups, uh, including spring training, like since last year. Um, do you think he just kind of ran out of gas there in the sixth? Yeah, that's what it that's what it looked like to me. You know, I mean, uh, he was going toe to toe. I mean, the, the what wins the game for the Orioles last night is that they, that Clevenger. Uh, we got his pitch count up by a couple, you know, what do we have, five walks against him? Uh, yeah, we, I know that they had walks. they had nine for the game. I know that much. So I think, yeah, he right. walked five. I remember them saying that's his fifth walk today. He walked Henderson twice. He walked Rutschman twice. And somebody else got a walk off of him. That added to the pitch count. And that's what got him out of the ball game because mm-hmm. he looked unhittable last night. Well, and that White, that White Sox bullpen is not good. Their ERA is above seven. I think they're the, they have the worst bullpen in baseball. Yep. The Orioles tattooed them last night once they got in, once they got into the game. Now, offensively, Adley's having an unbelievable start to the year. Ryan Mountcastle, that two homer nine RBI game the other day, he's been off to a hot start. Same thing with Austin <clears throat> Hayes. Santander, Cedric Mullins, and Gunnar Henderson have yet to get it going. Um, with Santander, he's got three hits in his last 33 at-bats. Brandon High continues stand about him third or fourth. He hit 240 uh, two years ago, and he hit 241 last year. To me, this guy's a five or six hitter when he's really going. How much longer can Brandon High justify batting him in the middle of his order? Well, uh, the way you phrase that, I, I would take exception. If he's really going, then he can bat third or fourth. But when he's playing like this, to me, I would have no problem with kind of switching him out with Hayes, again, especially against left-handed pitcher, mm-hmm. and have him bat like seventh. You know, um, I, he looks absolutely awful at the plate. He right does. Now. It's bad. And, I don't know. I hear you got a little back issue or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked Rock Abatko on the side the other day. I said, you know, is, he, is he hurt or what, what's the story? Because he didn't play one or two days in a row. And uh, he said, yeah, he's dealing with a little back thing. He just looks awful right yeah. now. It doesn't look uh, like he's re- generating know. any power either. There was a ball that he hit last no. night that just looked like it looked like he yep. gave it all he could and he it barely got it got he hit like 250. You know, it, it doesn't look like he's generating a lot of power. He's swinging at a lot of bad pitches, at least earlier in the season. And it's still early in the season, but earlier he was um, mm-hmm. he was taking some pitches and getting some walks. But now it seems like he's swinging at everything, trying to make something happen. And he just can't seem to get the job done. Uh, and it might be a little nagging. He missed two days in a row against the Athletics. And I know they said he had a, the lower back issue. It's just frustrating to see a guy like that who you know can get the job done, but he's hitting third or fourth in your order every night, three for his last 33. Now, Gunnar Henderson, on the other hand, um, every time you think he starts to come out of it, Stan, 
Uh, he has a game where he goes 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and two walks. Uh, do you agree with Brandon Hyde when he says that he thinks that he's being too patient at the plate? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. I think that um, I think it it shows you that Rutschman was was sort of the perfect storm of when he was ready and when the club needed him to be special. Gunner's time frame right now looks like it's going to take a little longer than that. You know that uh, last year. He came up in the middle of the season. Pitchers didn't react to him. You know, he didn't he didn't face organizations that really scouted him extensively how to pitch to him. Uh, I think you know, people uh, the, you know the book so to speak is created rather rapidly, and word gets out. And um, I think he's struggling uh, right now. I think it has something to do with how they're pitching him, and he's going to have to figure something out. Yeah. Remember, he's a, an awfully young player. Uh, he was special at AAA last year, uh, really special at AA, mm-hmm. you know, last year, uh, and and performed well enough to, to kind of speed up the dial on him a little bit, you know, with trying to get to liftoff time and, and make 2023 um, a season that they were ready to win uh, the time frame for him may have been pushed a little bit. It didn't look like it last year. Right now, uh, you know, he's he's very uh, frustrated. You know, he got a definitely got a couple bad strike threes last night. Uh, the home plate umpire was was kind of cra- his strike zone was really off to me. They've all been uh, again. His po- he was a poster child to me for why we need the robot umpire behind home plate. I would not be uh, – they're committed to Gunnar Henderson, don't get me wrong. Sure. But I wouldn't be surprised in two weeks if suddenly they they get to the same point with him and they need a spot and he's, he's hitting 180 or 190 that they say, you know what, let's send him down for, for a month and get him going again and then bring him back up. So I wouldn't rule that out entirely. I've seen it many times and uh, – you know, then it's up to the hitter to get past what what is ailing him. And uh, right now, he does not look good. And he does. I would I would agree that he's a little bit on the patient side. Stan, do you do you buy what Ryan O'Hearn's doing so far? Uh, having a really good start to his uh, you know his, his tenure in Baltimore. He's he's hit pretty well and had a lot of RBIs so far, uh, hitting in clutch situations. Are you buying any of it with Ryan O'Hearn? Well, if you mean am I buying it that he's going to be like this all the time, probably probably not. Fair. I've had him in fantasy a couple times, and I'm amazed that, that certain players like him are just not respected uh, by the teams that have them and don't have like Mike Matheny. I don't think Mike, Mike Matheny had a really bad Kansas City club. And this guy performed reasonably well for him and just couldn't make his way into the lineup. Uh, Matheny did the same thing with Edmund Olivares. Um, so sometimes you get with a different manager who has a little bit more faith in you and gives you a little bit more rope to hang yourself. Uh, you don't hang yourself. You perform. So it's very early on, but uh, they got him 
when he was hitting, you know, I mean, you know, this year he hit well in spring training. He was hitting very well down at Norfolk. And uh, the worst thing to do is bring somebody like that up and, and show no confidence in him at all. Brandon, I, one of the things I like about him as a manager, he does get everybody involved. He doesn't let Moss grow under any player's feet. You know, if you're going to have a guy on your major league roster, he, he should be somebody you have some confidence in. Yeah, no, I I, I agree to a certain extent. I I, I don't. I'm. It's gonna, like, really uh, confusing to me that that he doesn't do that with Kyle Stowers. Um, but that's uh, that's a question for another day that maybe we can get into if Stowers starts lighting it up down at AAA. Before we let you go, Stan, your power rankings. You just did uh, your most recent ones this past week. You had the Tampa Bay Rays at fourth. They were at the time of your power rankings. They were nine and zero. Uh, they had jumped up from number eleven for you. Now they're thirteen and one. They lost their first game last night. The uh, they've nobody scored more runs in Tampa Bay. Nobody's pitched better than Tampa Bay. Are you buying them? I do find it interesting that the that the first team that they played that we expect to be there at the end of the year, they lost that game. Although thirteen and zero is impressive, no matter who you do it against. Yeah, it's it, it was it was less impressive when it was nine and zero against the last three teams in my power rankings. You know, mm-hmm. the schedule really conspired to give Tampa a great chance at a great start. And Kevin Cash, I guarantee you, let that team know that, that how important the start is to the season because we got a gift from the schedule makers. I mean, none of us looked at, at the uh, all, every team's schedule and said, boy, Tampa's really starting against some horseshit teams. They could, they could go 9-0. and Boston's a fairly decent club, you know, uh, and those games were closer, but uh, but they ended up finding a way to win their first 13 games. Um, they're not number one on my list, but they do they will move ahead of San Diego this week. You know, San Diego is uh, an imperfect club in some way, shape, or form. But uh, Atlanta will still be my number one team, but Tampa will probably be number two. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to have them up there. They started the year thirteen and zero, so it's it's uh, it. Makes... But they just lost. But they also just lost Jeffrey Springs to announce for two months. Yeah, which with is... his armor neuritis. So, um, you know, they're pitching a pitcher today that I looked up is like twenty eight years old. Calvin, I think it's Calvin Faucher or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not even impressive at Triple A last year. Um, so. They're, you know, every team's got different issues, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's Tampa us, Bay. This guy, our issues are st- – go ahead. I was going to say, for Tampa Bay, this guy will come up and throw six innings and two-hit ball. You know, that's just how it's going to go. I don't think he'll do that against uh, Toronto today. <laughs> You're probably I right. I just don't think he will. <laughs> They're pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, all right, Sam, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, Mike Boddicker is our guest Monday night on the um, – on Press Box Live, uh, Ross Grimsley and I will have it at 6 o'clock. And then 7 o'clock, uh, the new arena downtown, formerly known as Royal Farms Arena, is open. And we're going to talk to Frank Remish, who is the uh, operations manager or general manager of the building. I don't know which, what his position is For, exactly. He's the guy he's that a general manager. all the shows. Yeah, he's, he's the a, general manager. Yes, he, right. he plays in my in my Sunday baseball league. I actually played uh, on the same team as him for a couple of years. Had no idea that he was the GM of the Baltimore Arena at the time. But is he is he a good softball player? It, we play baseball. 
We play baseball. He's got oh, a he, he's okay. got a lot of power. It, when when he gets a fastball, he can hit it a long way. A lot of power. Wow. What yeah. position does he play? First base. He's not exactly fleet okay. of foot. He's not exactly fleet of foot, although he has gotten himself into some pretty amazing shape. He's he's a good ball player. I like Frank. He's a good dude too. Fra- Frank's a great dude. Yeah. Great dude. He'll be our guest seven o'clock on Thursday. Uh, well we should turn in for that. Uh Stan, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Saturday, okay? All right, you too and go O's. Yes, go sir. O's. <laughs> what time's start time today? Two ten. Two ten. Okay. All talk right. to you soon. Talk Bye. to you then. That was Stan the Fan, Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with author Lee Lowenfish to discuss his new book about the death of scouting in baseball, while Stan chatted with Stevenson University Athletic Director Brett Adams. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross back this Monday night with another great show with former Orioles pitcher Mike Boddicker. And as Stan just said, he and Gary Stein will be back on Thursday talking with the GM of the new arena in Baltimore, Frank Ramish. Tune in. You don't want to miss either show this week. We're going to catch a break. Uh, when we come back in, Zach's going to sound off we'll do the, and we'll do the payoff pitch around the league. That and more next on The Battle Round. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. 
Welcome back to the batter round. Uh, rolling right along here on a Saturday. It seems to be clearing up out there. My first baseball game of the season is supposed to be tomorrow. and mm. So, of course, it always rains. Wait, I thought you were already playing baseball. Or is that indoors? That was the indoor league. That ended, uh, okay. that ended the the, sec- the third week of March. So, we've had about three, okay. three maybe four weeks off. Um, and nice. now we were supposed to get started two weeks ago, but... I threw a baseball uh, with some of my buddies yesterday, and my body is so sore. When you, when you don't throw for like three weeks in, in, in small intervals, and then you go out there, and I probably threw like, you know, 85, 90, 100 times, and oh my God, I'm sore. Yeah. Everything hurts this morning. Walk, it's so bad. You're too young for that, man. No, I mean, I in high school, when I, you know, when I pitched for those two years, the entire season, my elbow, my shoulder were on fire. I was convinced I needed Tommy John, but I don't know. My arm just can't handle it. Well, that's what Zach's sounding off today. That's sounding yeah, that's, off. With, no, um, sounding true. off with Zach Goodman. What do you got for us today? Yeah, I want to talk about Jared Kelnick. Uh, okay. Jared Kelnick. I don't, but all right. <laughs> well, <laughs> just just if you looked at his numbers, you might want to. Um, let's, let's review Jared Kelnick a little bit, because this is a guy uh, that was traded for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano uh, from the New York Mets, a former first-round draft pick, a guy that a lot of people, uh, you know, had a lot of confidence in. He was a top prospect, top 100 prospect. He was always in that top 20 range. He was excellent. In the minor leagues, he was fantastic uh, in, in basically every metric you could possibly find. Um, you know, in in A plus, he hit 309, hit 11 home runs. Uh, in the year 2019, he hit 23 home runs and batted 291 with an on base percentage of 364. The guy was incredibly good in the minor leagues, and and rightfully so, deserved a promotion. Came into the major leagues uh, in 2021 with Seattle and batted 181 with an on base percentage of 265. Mm-hmm. In 2022, last year, uh, he played 100. Or no, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, he played 54 games with 181 at bats for Seattle. Uh, he batted 141 with the 221 on base percentage. But so far this year, all signs are pointing to Jared Kelnick finally becoming the guy uh, that has Edwin Diaz on the Mets. It's it's starting to look like a really worthwhile trade if this holds up for Jared Kelnick. So far on the season, batting 366, he's already hit four home runs. Last year he only last year he hit uh, only seven total in 54 games, and he's already got four this year. Uh, he's uh, has an on base percentage of 422, and his OPS is 1,203. So he's been excellent so far. Jared Kelnick has been or excellent numbers wise. 1203. 1203. Sure, we'll <laughs> go. 1,203. And if you look at Jared Kelnick's uh, baseball savant numbers, average exit velocity, 95th percentile. Max exit velocity, 89th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 99th percentile. Ex- expected slugging percentage, 100th percentile. Expected batting average, 97th percentile. Expected weighted on-base average, 99th percentile. Barrel percentage, 97th percentile. This guy could legitimately become, if these things hold up, and if he starts becoming what he was in the minor leagues, one of the best players in baseball and only makes Seattle that much stronger. This it, it, this is not... I, I don't think this is a stretch that is going to change. I think Jared Kelnick is one of the better players in baseball when he gets going. And we're going to see it. I, I'm excited to see it because this guy has so much talent. I saw him in the minor leagues a lot. I loved him. And if he keeps this up, he's going to be dangerous, and Seattle's only going to get that much better. They, I mean, they're already a, a very good baseball team. And if Jared Kelnick hits 366 he's for not they, the hit month of I'm, I'm not, I wasn't going Eric there. Thames. You didn't let me finish my. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> right, but, Eric Thames. But if he can keep that up for the month of April, and then he ends up as a 280 hitter with an on base percentage of, I don't know, 340 for the rest of the year and hits 35 home runs, you're looking at a very good baseball team in Seattle. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, 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 Metrics are all pointing to it. Yeah, they they are, but it could just be a nice two week stretch. It could be. It, it could, could be. Uh, see, see, the thing with Kalanick is that 
I, I know you love Kellenic. I love Jared Kellenic. You, you've been talking about him for two years. Mm-hmm. From what I was reading about him earlier in the year, he can't hit off-speed stuff. That was that's been his problem. Yeah, yeah, that's he, been his problem. He can't hit off-speed stuff. Uh, I'd like to think that just because you don't want to see guys fizzle out. You don't want to see guys fizzle out and, yeah. and be these top-rated prospects and then come into into the majors and show they can't hack it. Nobody likes Ryan yeah. Leafs. You know, nobody wants Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Leafs to really, have Ryan Leafs is my all-time favorite quarterback. How dare you? You shut the hell up. <laughs> um, nobody wants to see a Ryan Leaf type of thing um, in any sport. I'm not necessarily championing the Seattle Mariners having a really good player and being a really good baseball team. Cause I, I think they're a really good baseball team. I, they are, but I, I don't like them. I, I used to when Griffey was there, <laughs> but A-Rod okay. ruined the Mariners for me. And Mike Cameron, which is a weird, which is weird. Not Brett Boone? <laughs> Brett Boone was just Brett Boone. He was just just a he was just a dick bag. But um, the am I allowed to say that? I don't think the FCC. Is listening. <laughs> I don't, I don't um, know. But the, the the thing with I don't know, man. I just I I well the, the, the Mariners just kind of struck me as like this arrogant team last year. They were fun two years ago, but I don't know. I just I have a been, soft spot for them. I don't know why. I, well, the thing that I didn't like about Mike Cameron is everybody kept comparing Adam Jones to Mike Cameron. They kept mm. being like, "Oh, he's going to be the next Mike Cameron." Mike yeah. Cameron sucked. <laughs> like Mike Cameron was a good defender. He, Adam Jones turned out better than but, Mike but, Cameron. But 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 he hit like two thirty yeah. and struck out like two hundred times a year. Yeah. He would hit thirty home runs, but yeah. I didn't want anybody close to Mike Cameron playing for the Orioles. And thank God Adam Jones was far better. Than Paul, Mike who, who, who do you like more, Willie Adamas or Mike Cameron? <laughs> Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas. Like the fact that everybody talked about uh, talked about. Mike Cameron, like he was like the like he was like Eric Davis. Mm. No man, Eric, he's no Eric Thames. I'll, he, I'll he's no that. Eric Thames. No <laughs> Eric Davis. Like if Eric Davis hadn't gotten in his own way, yeah. he would have had potentially a Hall of Fame career. Oh, yeah. uh, the, Mike Cameron. Apologies to Daz, who's on the Orioles. Um, he was in the Orioles minor league father. system. Um, yeah, that's his dad. Um, I don't know why we're talking about him. I, I, well, I, let me let me finish by reading off his minor league numbers from last year. Because Jared Kelnick did play 86 games in Seattle's AAA team last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Tacoma, he hit 296, 366 OBP, and hit 18 home runs. If he can do that at the major league level, at least he's not going to do that. But if he can do a slightly what lesser version of that, he hit two two ninety six with a three sixty six on base percentage. Okay, if he can do that and he can hit you know two seventy five with a three forty on base percentage at the major league level, and if he plays what so last year total he had if I put this all together he would have had uh, twenty five home runs. So. If he can do that and hit 275, 25 home runs, 340 on base, it makes Look, Seattle a very good team. I, I, they're already a very good team, and I don't need to see them get better, but I don't want him to be <laughs> a bad player. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, that's a big if. He's got to prove it. So, so far, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. He's doing what yeah. he, everything he needs to do to, to make you right. Um, I just have to see it for longer than two weeks. Striking out a little bit much, but that's him. He's a power hitter. Strikes out a lot. That's, yeah. that's what he does. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. He, he's off to a good start, and that bodes well for the Mariners and their fans, for sure. So, you've been on Kalanick for the last couple of years. It's exciting. I know you're, you're a big fan of his. I don't get excited about prospects for other teams. I just don't. Like, you love Anthony. I just love baseball. You, I don't you, know. you love Anthony Volpe, and I just, I, I can't love anybody that plays. He's off to a rough him. start, man. Oof. Homer last night. We'll talk about he that did. in the uh, payoff pitch around the league yeah. next. But, um... Uh, I don't know, man. I just there's some prospects who I do like. I, I think Corbin Carroll is an exciting player. Oh yeah, but like I'm not gonna get fired up about Anthony Volpe, especially because he plays for the Yankees or uh, Jared Kelenic with the Mariners because the Mariners were one of the teams that stood in the Orioles' way from making the playoffs last year. So that's fair enough. I mean, look, it, 
Corbin Carroll so far batting 275, only 288 on base percentage. So yeah, that speed he, you got to get on base. He man. hasn't been great. An OPS plus of only 101, so he's literally a league average hitter. Um, and .1 WAR for him, which is probably coming mostly from the defensive side, since he is a defensive god. In so field. would you rather? What's he hitting? Uh, he's hitting 275. 275 with a, what you said, a 288? 288. 288 on base percentage. Would you rather Gunner hit 275 with a 288 on base percentage or be hitting the 130 that he's hitting with the 340 on base percentage? And by the way, that on base percentage only comes from the hit by pitch. He's, he hasn't walked all year. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. I He's still hitting, you know, he's getting on base at a 288 clip that's really low. I, I'm assuming, what's Gunner at right now? About 3-something, three 320, 330? I would have to assume Gunner's on base percentages. Um, I don't know, man. Let me. Um, he's hitting one fifty. Okay. There's, sorry, my my. No, I can but, look, I can look it up. I got it. It's right here. It's it's right here. He's batting one fifty with a three fifty eight on base percentage, which Whew. is that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I'll take the three fifty eight. The three fifty eight on base percentage. In, in the long run, Carroll will probably uh, it'll even out, and I'd choose Carroll. But he'll probably start walking a little bit more. But yeah, 358 is just a lot better than 288. Yeah, so I'll d- take that. 12, 12 walks for Gunnar Henderson. So yeah. th- despite his struggles, he's still taking good at bats for sure. I just realized that I never completed the pay. So I have a job now where I have to get up super early every morning. So that means at, at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, I am very, very tired. And I'm not staying up to watch, to, to see the finals of these late games like I've done every other year. So I have to do the pay- pitch around the league in the morning. Well, I forgot to do the last four games. So we're going to take a break. Okay. Let's take a break so I can compile this. We'll come back. We'll do the payoff pitch. We'll do Orioles banter, and we'll get Steve Molesky in before we take our third and final break. All that next on The Bet Around. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more. We do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. 
If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Batter Round. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives. You can start winning today. Get five-second chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentives now. I'm going to do the a read real quick of the Orioles and the White Sox starting lineups for today. Uh, the game is a, a 2 o'clock game. The Orioles are away. Kyle Gibson on the hill for the Orioles. Michael Kopech on the hill for the White Sox. Orioles, Mullins, Rutschman, Mountcastle, Santander, Hayes, Frazier, Arias, McCann, and Mateo. That's the starting lineup for them. Rutschman DHing. McCann is behind the plate. And for Chicago, Benintendi, Robert Jr., Vaughn Jimenez, Grandal, Berger, Colas, Sosa, and Elvis Andrus to round it out. Um, so we're looking at, again, Michael Kopech, Kyle Gibson. Gibson, 3-0, 3-4-4 ERA. Uh, he already has three wins, which is hard to believe. I don't think too many people could have predicted that when the Orioles signed Kyle Gibson, ended up getting ten, about $10 million, and, and which was a lot more than most people expected Kyle Gibson to get. But he's been good for the Orioles. He'll look to keep that going today. Michael Kopech is a guy that I had as uh, one of my, my top pitchers going into this year. I thought Kopech was going to turn around and have a really good year. Former top 100 prospect, someone who pitched really well throughout his minor league career. And he's been good in the major leagues, don't get me wrong. But so far, 0-2 with a 6-7-5 ERA. So Michael Kopech will look to turn it around against the Orioles today. I think this may be a matchup that favors Kyle Gibson a little bit. The White Sox lineup isn't that great, but Andrew Benintendi's always a sneaky hitter. Uh, Roberts always, you know, a lot of power. He already has five home runs, batting 316 on the year, has already driven in 11 runs. There's a lot of, uh, you know, not a ton of firepower in this lineup, but a lot of sneaky guys that'll that'll surprise you. So we'll see how the Orioles fare today. Um, Andrew Vaughn still looking for his first home run. Personally, for me, uh, I could see that coming today. So. We'll see what happens. Uh, Paul, are you ready to go over there for uh, the payoff pitch around the league? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I got this. Okay. I, my, my apologies to everybody for not getting that done in a timely manner. Um, sometimes I have I have prescribed uh, sleep medication for it's not I don't use it all the time, but if I have a hard time getting to sleep, I, nice toss <laughs> didn't go anywhere. Run, <laughs> he run, went, runs yeah. right into the tape and goes nowhere. Um, so. Sometimes I only take it if I'm having a really hard time getting to sleep. Well, I took it last night and I. I could have slept till noon today. I could have slept till noon. I felt like a zombie trying to get up uh, this morning, and it, the, the rest of the payoff pitch just completely slipped my mind. But we have it. We are ready to go. Uh, Adley Rutschman reached base four times again, including a, th- a go-ahead three-run double in the seventh inning to push the Orioles to a 6-3 to win over the White Sox. 
Nick, is it Matone or Matten? I think it's Matone. All right. Nick Matone had the green light on 3-0 in the bottom of the 11th with runners on second and third and two down and his team trailing 5-4. to four, And he delivered with the walk-off three-run homer as the Tigers spoiled the Giants evening 7-5. to five. Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, and JT Realmuto combined for eight hits, six runs, and five RBIs as the Phillies handled the Reds 8-4. Trevor Rogers struck out seven while allowing just one run over six innings, and the Marlins used a five-run fourth inning to take down the D-backs 5-1. Anthony Volpe hit his first career home run, but Carlos Correa stole the show, homering and ripping a go-ahead two-run double in the eighth inning as the Twins won for the second straight night over the Yankees, this time 4-3. to three. Josh Bell homered in his return to D.C. to help push the Guardians past the Nationals 4-3. to three. Bo Bichette collected five hits, and George Springer homered to finally stop the Rays, who suffered their first loss of the season at the hands of the Blue Jays, 6-3. to three. Rafael Devers homered to help lead the Red Sox past Otani Trout and the Angels, 5-3. to three. Uh, A, a Dolis Garcia homered and drove in two to lead the Rangers over the Astros, 6-2. Eight of the Braves' ten hits went for extra bases, including five home runs as they throttled the Royals, 10-3. It was the Roland Nolans in St. Louis as Nolan Arenado and Nolan Gorman each collected three hits, the latter also driving in two to back uh, Jake Woodruff's... um, Jake Woodford's five and a third scoreless innings as the Cardinals shut down the Pirates 3-0. Francisco Lindor hit a grand slam and drove in seven, and A's pitching walked 17 batters. That's 17 batters as the Mets destroyed the A's 17-6. Rowdy Telez homered twice, and Christian Yelich hit one of his own as the Brewers took down the Padres 11-2. Ian Happ collected four hits and three RBIs, and Jan Gomes homered twice to lead the Cubs past the Dodgers 8-2. And finally, Jared Kelenic homered and doubled while driving in two to lead... Uh, to lead I'm sorry, while former Orioles opening day starter Tommy Malone allowed one run while pitching into the fifth to lead the Mariners past the Rockies 5-3. to three. Tommy Malone. By the I way, didn't I, realize he was still in the league. The Roland Nolans. I like that the one. The Roland Nolans. That was Nolans. good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right, Yankees. They lost last night, but they have the first game of the day. Domingo Herman on the mound against Tyler Maley. Twins and Yankees at Yankee Stadium 105. At 110, Anthony Descalfani against To Be Determined. Giants and Tigers at Comerica Who's Park. Who's to be determined? Never to be determined. That. That's the best pitcher in the league. Uh, Orioles and White Sox, as I just spoke about, 210 at guaranteed rate field. Kyle Gibson faces off against Michael Kopech. Gibson looked to keep building on that 3-4-4 ERA. Yuancy Contreras takes on the lefty Steven Matz, who is an 8.18 ERA to start the year. Pirates take on the Cardinals, 215 at Bush Stadium. Cardinals need to get it right. They're only 6-8. The Rays, the 13-1 Rays, start Calvin Falcher against Yusei Kikuchi uh, as they take on the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. <laughs> 307. The Guardians take on the Nationals in a day game. 405 at Nats Park. Zach Plesak takes on Chad Cool. Freddie Peralta, who's cool. 2-0 with a .75 ERA and 14 strikeouts already on this year, starts against Seth Lugo, who is a 1.38 ERA and has been excellent as well as the Brewers take on the Padres 405 in San Diego. Mets take on the Athletics. Carlo, uh, Carlos Carrasco has got to get it right. Uh, he's 0-2. Is ERA over 11. He'll take on Shintaro Fujinami as he is a 17 ERA. Uh, so a wild pitching matchup there in California at the O.co at 405 as the Mets take on the A's. Tyler Anderson takes on Nick Pavetta. Angels and Red Sox 410 at Fenway Park. Matt Strom will take on Graham Ashcraft 410 at Great American Ballpark as the Phillies take on the Reds. Braves and Royals. Bryce Elder goes for the Braves. Chris Bubich goes for the Royals 410 at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. The D-backs will take on the Marlins. Ryan Nelson against Braxton Garrett, 410 at Lone Depot Park in Miami. 
final three games of the night, Rangers and Astros. Rangers throw John Gray. Hunter Brown will go for the Astros. Pretty good pitching matchup right there. 7-10 at Minute Maid Park. The two Texas teams going head-to-head. Cubs and Dodgers. Jamison Tyon takes on Michael Grove. 9-10 at Dodger Stadium. Michael Grove with a 14.75 ERA, so he'll have to, he'll have to get, get it going it tonight. Done. He's got he's to get it done a little bit better than that. Cole Irvin style. Final game of the night, 9-40 in Seattle. Rockies take on the Mariners. Ryan Feltner takes on the second-year man, George Kirby. But I'm looking through a lot of these uh, these pitching matchups today. We've, we've got some good ones. I mean, I you know a lot of a lot of really low ERAs to start the year. And then you have Shintaro Fujinami with a 17.55 ERA through two starts. So not not quite his uh not quite his year so far. Yeah, a lot of a lot of weird pitching matchups. I'm excited about tomorrow's pitching matchup. Not for the Orioles' sake because Dylan Cease is tough, but you're getting Grayson Rodriguez against Dylan Cease. Two of his I'll first be honest. Three. No, go, go ahead. Two, two of Grayson's first three starts here coming against two of the best <laughs> pitchers in all of baseball. It, it, I mean, he's getting the ace treatment already, I suppose. But Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, I literally texted my dad the day of DeGrom, and I said, he's not beating DeGrom. And then they, the Orioles ended up actually winning that game. So, for me... Did they? No, they lost that game. I thought they won that game. No, they, they lost that game. They, they? They, they tied it up 2-2, and then um, the bullpen... I could have sworn they won that game. No, they, they lost that game. Like Regardless, five, they lost that game like five two. Regardless, uh, Dylan Cease will be very tough tomorrow, and with a lot of Orioles hitters, some guys they need uh, to face a tough player like or tough pitcher like Dylan Cease, like Cedric Mullins, like Anthony Santander. They're going to have to get it going against a guy like Dylan Cease. Yeah, uh, Santander, three for his last thirty three, zero for his last eleven. He has no home runs on the season, and he's batting fourth today. Yeah. It, it's. And Mullins, I'm not saying Mullins still in the leadoff spot. I'm not saying that you have to take him out. I'm not. He he just sat two games in a row. Obviously, he's got the low back thing going on with him. But I'm not. I'm so I'm, I'm not saying bench the guy because I do believe that he'll get it going at some point. But batting him fourth, like you're throwing yeah. like, like now watch he'll go out and hit two home runs today. But I, sure. I would I would bat him seventh. I would bat him seventh. You have, do you have the Orioles lineup for today right in front of you? Yeah, I can pull it up. Um, um, I, I just read it up. So we have Mullins, Rutschman, Mountcastle, Santander, Hayes, Frazier, Arias, McCann, and Mateo. Personally, I think Mateo has done enough for me to be leading off right now. Mullins is not getting it done in the leadoff spot. He got on base three times last night. Still batting 175, though. Yeah. Or something along those lines. I don't I – don't, I, I mean – I don't know, man. It only matters in the first inning. That's, that's fair. You know, the Orioles consistently find themselves down after the first inning a lot this year. They have, um, which is which has been troubling. I, I'm sorry, I got a message from Steve Molesky. Why? Who's batting? Who's batting? Uh, six through nine. Frazier, Arias, McCann, and Mateo. Frazier, Arias, McCann, and Mateo, and Hayes is batting fifth. Yes, I'd bat Hayes fourth right now. I would too. And then. Move everybody else up a slot, except Santander put him down into the seven hole. Yeah, I think Arias deserves to be batting a little higher, even though this, it's been a slow start for him. Uh, for you know a, a lot of what he does well, he's he started off slow, but I, I think McCann has uh, has showed up pretty well so far in the the few games he's played, and he deserves another start. And then Mateo again being stuck in that nine hole, but uh, you know it has elite speed and, and is getting better, you know, getting on base this year than previous years. So I, there's a lot to like there. I'd like to see Ryan O'Hearn in the lineup again, given how hot he is. He's been he's been quite good uh, so far for the Orioles. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, is it a lefty going today? Uh, I can't it's Michael it Kopech, so is it is not. No, it's a, it's a righty. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, win this game. You got to win this game, I think, because yeah. tomorrow is going to be tough. It's really sledding. tough. Because uh, you don't know what Grayson Rodriguez you're getting tomorrow. 
you know, we, we believe that eventually we're going to talk about him in the same way that we talk about Dylan Cease. But right now, he's still—this he, is just his third big lead start. He wasn't lighting the world on fire. Uh, it, he wasn't lighting the world on fire in spring training or in his first Norfolk start, and he wasn't great his last start. Although, he got a bad rap for his last start because he legitimately left the game in the fifth inning with two outs. The bases were loaded. He'd only given up two runs, and— with Austin both came in and within three pitches the Orioles were losing so it, to me it wasn't exactly fair you know if both comes in and gets the first batter out Grayson Rodriguez's line looks a lot better you know but it's I don't know win today and hopefully the rest will take care of itself you want to win a series against a team like Chicago if you lose today you put yourself behind the eight ball um against a team that you probably should beat Two out of three. Yeah. You know. By the way, Dylan Cease, it's interesting to talk about him because I think if D.L. Hall were to get to his ceiling and he is the starter that you think he, he is going to be, his numbers would probably look a lot like Dylan Cease. He led the league in walks last year, but he also struck out 11.1 per nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his ERA was 2.2. And he won 14 games. But he walked 78 guys and walked almost four batters a game. Yeah. So, and the stuff is really good, throws really hard, but the command is not always there. So mm. far this year, he's walked four players a nine again, but he's up the strikeout per, uh, strikeouts per nine to thirteen point two, uh, and his ERA is one point six five through three starts. Yeah, he. Um, so that is what DL Hall, if he reaches his ceiling, could be. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I one hundred percent agree with that. I think DL Hall's got a really special arm. I, I look at Dylan Cease and man, he when he faced the Orioles last year, I think it was um, sometime in June because I remember we were going to my wife's dad's house for a cookout. It was um, like June twenty sixth or something like that mm-hmm. last year, he struck out like 13, 14 Orioles. Yeah. He dominated them. Now, look, the Orioles, like we said, they're, they are take, they're seeing more pitches per bat than any team in baseball. They're walking a lot more. They have a much better approach. A guy that walks as many guys as Dylan Cease does, I'm interested to see mm-hmm. um, how he fares against this lineup tomorrow. What I will say is that the Orioles, while they've, been, they've had a far better approach than I can ever remember seeing at the plate recently, um... They are still a team that will swing at bad pitches. Yeah, in 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 my mind, I I, will, I can still see them swinging at pitches that Cease wants them to swing at uh, tomorrow. So we'll have to see again. Win today, and then hope for you know a pitcher's duel that you somehow manage to get to that to that White Sox bullpen tomorrow. Yeah. Like if you can get Dylan Cease to throw ninety five hundred pitches through five innings, you're gonna have a chance to win that ball game tomorrow. Right. Um. Because frankly, that bullpen is terrible. But you got to get to that point. And you also want to make it. Of course, winning a series is is nice. It always has a little bit more of a sour taste when you win the first two games and then lose the third game. Yeah. You really want to get that sweep. Put yourself in position for that by getting a win today. And I think that they have a good opportunity to do that. Still, don't like to see Santander. But and here's the other thing: I don't like to. I don't mind Santander being in the lineup. You got to play him. Yeah. I don't want to see him batting third or fourth. And. I, even when he's going good, I don't want to see him batting third or fourth. I think he should bat no higher than fifth mm-hmm. in the Orioles lineup, and that's when he's going good. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Because 241 with a 318 on base percentage, to me, that's not good enough to hit third or fourth in any lineup. No, and it's why we said all offseason the Orioles need that middle of the order bat. Which Castle seems to have turned And Mountcastle has, but I still another, another guy there. I, I still think there's a, a big gap between... Um, what a guy like Santander is and what a guy like Jose Abreu was uh, mm-hmm. that you could have gotten on the market. I think there is a 
desperate need for that. And Santander again, 320 OBP is not getting it done. Not in yeah. the middle of the order. Maybe for a for a six or seven hitter, that's fine. And if he's hitting 30 home runs and getting on base at a 320 clip, I'm fine with that. That's perfectly fine. But so far this year, no home runs either. What he did in the World Baseball Classic gave me a little bit of hope that you know he comes out this year, hits more home runs, gets on base more. He looked selective in the World Baseball Classic. But then again, you're facing a lot of pitchers who are maybe not major league quality and not the best pitchers in the world. So you know, it's a, you got to take it with a grain of salt, of course. But to me, he's not getting his honor right now. Shouldn't be batting fourth. Is no. more of a six or seven hitter. Interesting to me to see Santan. I'm mean, sorry to see Adam Frazier batting sixth mm-hmm. in this lineup. It's a weird spot for a contact only guy. Yeah. See, for me, I wouldn't mind. And so people tell me all the time, they're like, "Where are you gonna? Who's gonna be in your lineup if you don't have Santander batting third or fourth in the lineup?" And they're like, "How do you figure it out?" And I'm like, "Why is this so difficult?" Why why do people think that this is so hard? Every now and again, you can bat Adam Frazier second in this order. And you can move Rutschman to third in the order. Third in the order. If you're just tuning in, you hear me say move Rutschman to third. I mean third in the order, not third base. Um, So if your lineup today, Red, Mullins is center field. Batting second, Adam Frazier, second base. Batting third, Adley Rutschman is the DH. Batting fourth, Ryan Mountcastle at first base. Batting fifth, Austin Hayes. Batting sixth, Anthony Santander. Batting seventh, Ramon Arias. Batting eighth, James McCann. And batting ninth, Jorge Mateo. To me, that lineup looks a lot better. And people are like, somebody said to me, you would bat Adam Frazier second against the left-handed pitcher. And I said, why? Like When I said the lineup that I would have had, when McCann batted fourth the other day, Mm -hmm. which made no sense to me, and I said, you can bat Frazier second. Yeah. And they're like against the left-handed pitcher. We're going to have to disagree on uh, agree to disagree on this, and that's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, b- uh, by the way, James McCann should never, ever, ever, ever again bat fourth. Bat fourth. Ever. ever. It, you never bat a backup catcher fourth. Let's make this very clear. Yeah. That was a wild decision. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where no, that's coming from. No way. You don't know where that's coming from. It's coming from the worst manager in the American League East. Yeah, but I, again, I, I still don't think the lineups are all him. I think the front office has huge they, No, no, no. I think they tell him who, who they want him to play. I, th- I think that it's the possible. batting order is 100% him. I don't know. And he basically took ownership for that the other day. He said, I decided to bat Ramona Rios. Uh, when, when, when he batted Austin, Austin Hayes first, that one game a, f- a few days ago, he said, I just, I tried to, they're like, what goes into the decision to bat Austin Hayes first? He goes, well, you know, I batted Arias first in the lineup the other day. That didn't work out for us. <laughs> He's like, so maybe this one will be so better. Give him, give him one shot and then immediately demoted back to well, you know, the He went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. Just, he, he, that, that's, he, that's, that's fair. That's like batting Chris Davis lead off. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> um, like, which, which has happened, by the way. Buck Showalter tried that out for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. That's how I feel when I see... James McCann batting fourth. Yeah. <sighs> no. Or Ryan McKenna batting sixth and playing left field. <sighs> <laughs> look, look, there is no, especially against the righty, there's no reason why Adam Frazier can't bat second. No. In this order. Because he makes contact, he doesn't strike out, he he ta- he has good at bats, he can get on base for you. I would much rather see him batting second, Rutschman batting third today with Santander in the six or seven yeah. hole than the lineup that they put out. Now look, I still think it's a solid lineup. I, I think that you're... You're doing this team right now a disservice by batting Santander fourth because let's say yeah. that the first three guys get on base and the bases are loaded with nobody out and Santander comes out. I mean, comes up. And he grounds into a double play. Yeah. Or he strikes out, which I think is a strikeout. Or he pops out to third base. I think all those scenarios are incredibly likely at this point. You've basically just thrown the wrench in the spokes of a, yeah. a, of a rally. 
right, right there. It's a, it's a rally killer to have a guy who's struggling this badly bat fourth in your lineup. I 100% say move him down. And and it's a it's a right-handed pitcher, and you're giving Gunnar Henderson the day off. Uh, whatever. Uh, like, I know that he's struggling too, but why Santan? And I get that Santan has been here, done that in the past, but he's struggling just as bad, if not... You can argue worse, because at least Henderson's yeah. still taking his walks. Henderson gets on base, uh, and then it's a danger on the base path because of his speed. So he's a little more valuable right now than Santander has been, and the fact that Santander has been banged up. That's mm-hmm. another element to all of this. But, uh, yeah, I, Adam Frazier should be batting higher in the order. I Adam Frazier not takes... Not all the time, but in, if this is... Not if, against if, lefties, If, if no. you're going to play him... If you're going to... And honestly, against lefties, why not? Honestly, why not? So because, then all the time. I mean... B- because... because Well, if you're not going to play some guys that you would normally play against a left-hand sorry If you're going to mm-hmm. move Cedric Mullins down in the order against left-hand sorry if you're going to yeah. give Gunnar Henderson a day off, why not bat Adam Frazier second in the lineup? Yeah. Uh, and somebody's like, oh, against the left-handed pitcher? That's, that's what this person said to me. And it's like, okay, well, he hits better against left-handed pitching than Ryan McKenna. Yeah. Than Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman this year has been off the charts. But, yeah. but for their careers, then Cedric Mullins, then Jorge Mateo, then Anthony Santander... So and and he doesn't strike out. He struck out three times right. all year. This is a guy, who, and the the last game that Adam Frazier, which was two days ago, started against a left-handed pitcher. He lined a rope up the middle in his first at bat that got caught because they were shifting on him, and yeah. the shortstop was basically right at the bag mm-hmm. at second base. That would have been a base hit any other time, yeah. right? He lines out to left field where the where the left fielder is playing shallow, um, and normally that ball is a base hit. Yeah. And he also had an RBI single. so I'm sorry, an RBI double. So for me, Adam Frazier, he's making solid contact against left-handed pitching. There's no reason not to bat him second when Santander is struggling the way that he is right now, if you're not playing Henderson. Adam Frazier takes unbelievable at-bats. Mm-hmm. He'll just stand there and foul off the ball like seven times. And it, it's what Brett Gardner used to do. You know, you watch Brett Gardner and he'd stand up there and just foul off the ball many times as possible, hang in there, it'd be like a 3-2 count, and he'd keep working it, keep working it, keep working That's what Adam Frazier does. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the hugely valuable parts of this, uh, of his profile and why he's so valuable to this team. It's, you know, he. we can argue that signing all we want, but the truth is that Adam Frazier takes probably the second best at-bats on this team. Gunnar Henderson probably takes the best. Because no, Gun- Adley takes the best at-bats. Adley takes Ad- really good at-bats, Adley's too. own base yeah. is like 490, dude. I, he, but that's not my point. I'm talking about seeing as many pitches in, you know, and then ending up with a walk, which is what Adam Frazier does a lot. Rutschman walks a ton, too, but Gunnar Henderson seems like his walks are, are going to, to probably lead the team this year if he, if he plays, you know, 140, 150 I mean, he's games. Got, I mean, I think Rutschman leads the team in walks. He's played, Does he? uh, I, I know. Well, I know Gunnar Henderson is what twelve now. Uh, yeah, but Adley walked three times last night. Okay, and he, right. and he was only one behind Henderson going into the game. So re- I think re- regard. So they're, they're tied at first. Uh, they both have twelve. Okay, Henderson and Rutschman. Regardless, he's okay. So he's the third best, but he's right up there with Rutschman and Henderson. Uh, with, with taking. Really, I think Taron really Bobber at-bats. takes really good at bats. He does. Just, just doesn't really get to play enough. Where well, I, but I feel like thing, we, we it, don't get to see as much. But yeah, you're right. You're, you're not going to play him over Adam Frazier. I get that. You're, you're no. not going to play him over Arias or Henderson or Mateo. I understand that too, and I don't necessarily want to see too much of Vavra in the outfield. Um, but 
I think Vavra takes good enough at bats that when he does play, if you need to like move somebody down the order, you could bat him second. Vavra and all, he's a lot like Adam Frazier in many mm-hmm. ways. They're very similar profiles, very similar players, and he's obviously a lot younger. So if Adam Frazier, uh, or if Adam Frazier ends up, you know, leaving after this one-year deal, and Terrence Vavra ends up taking that spot, that's not a bad thing for the Orioles at all. Not yeah, a bad thing. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think Terrence Vavra is still going to be utility guy because then they Most have likely. all those guys coming up from the minor leagues. Three sixty-eight on base percentage so far this year. Small yeah. sample size. It's only been eight games and nine. Team plate appearances, but still. Where's Adam Frazier? Uh, Frazier was around, I think, the same thing. He was in the, his on base so far is 341. 341, which yeah. is about what you'd expect from him when he's at his best. His average is down to 256, mm-hmm. but it's not like he's not making contact. He's hitting some tough luck outs. Oh, and yeah. He's kind of rolled over a little bit recently. We didn't expect the way he started to continue, no. but he's a solid piece for this team. I, I, I don't hate the signing now like I did back then. Now, mm-hmm. ask me in two weeks if he's still struggling, <laughs> but. I don't hate the signing. He's now not like Ruth Nedodor. Yeah, he's he's a far better player than, than Ruth Nedodor, in my humble humblest of opinions. Now, this leads us right into, <clears throat> we've been talking about these young players that could be coming up, and we've been talking about how good Adley's been and how good Ryan Mountcastle, Mount Ryan Mountcastle, Mount Mount um, about how good these people have been. And it leads me to who deserves the extensions and what those extensions might look like. Adley Rutschman, his price tag goes up every day. Yeah. Every day. Now, I was listening to Ryan Ripken on 1057 The Fan yesterday, and he said, if I'm Adley Rutschman, he's at 25 years old, he's getting one big contract, I'm expecting $35 million a year. At least. So you're thinking yeah. 10 years, $350 million should be the starting point for an Adley Rutschman extension? Yeah. Th- 10 years, 300, there's no way the Orioles are doing that. No, there's, there's not any, there's, there's no, no chance. There's no way. They'll come in at 10 years, 210 million. Probably. That's what they'll come in at. And if they come in with anything, I, I, I... Adley is going to make himself a very wealthy man, but I, I do not see the Orioles, at least right now, uh, being the ones to be that, that team. And this I, is why I, I get him. So, this is why I went on that rant two weeks ago about John Angelos, because... I legitimately don't see them. I, I feel like they're already fumbling this. I feel like they're already fumbling I would agree. this. Because you've watched all these young players who aren't the player that Adley is. Yeah. Adley is get, is... get locked up already. In reality right now, he's a top five player in baseball. Oh, absolutely. There's you, no question. You can't watch what he does on a day-in and day-out basis, and especially at the position that he plays, and think that he's not top five. He's, he's one of the lead... If this... If you were to cast your vote right now for MVP, who's better than him right now? Otani. You think Otani? Yeah. Pull up Otani's stats before you just say Otani. I mean, because we, we know what Otani can do, but is, has Otani really outperformed Adley Rutschman? Yeah. I, I don't think he has. I mean, Otani's made three starts and has a .47 ERA, and he's batting two ninety five, and his uh, his OPS is nine forty nine. And okay. He already is one point six four. So yeah, I, I think Otani's bad. I, I think Otani, as long as he plays in Major League Baseball, will be the best player in Major League Baseball because he can do okay. both. Okay. Okay. What's his team's record? Uh, fair, fair, and that's. But Mike Trout won a lot of MVPs with a bad record. Yeah, too. because he was clearly the best player in baseball. Yeah. Uh, okay. Otani is clearly the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess you're right because they're, they're what seven four, seven. He's four four OBP too. Like Otani has been it all so far. I, I think the Angels, yeah, they're they haven't been great. Seven and six. So they're, they're, they're seven six. So, so the Orioles, the Orioles are eight and six. Mm-hmm. So okay, you can't say well look at look at look at the team's record because 
Mike Trout, by the way, 433 OBP. Well, Not he's bad. Mike Trout. He's Mike Trout, but he, he, only batting 261, but 433 All base. right, now go look at Adley, who's hitting, okay. what, 386 with a 489 on base percentage? Is that what, is that what we're saying? Something th- along those lines. Let me, let me get over here to Adley's page. Sooner rather than later. Uh, 377 with a 492 on base percentage, uh, OPS of 1134. And what's Otani's OPS? Uh, 949. But the three starts in a .470 RA. I mean, okay. you know, Well, Adley's not a pitcher. Correct. Correct. And Adley catches. And yeah. Adley plays every day. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can make... And Adley... I guess you can make the argument because he has Mount Castle protecting him. Adley doesn't have Mike Trout protecting him. Yeah. Uh, Adley offensively is having a better season than, yes, all, than, yes. than, all, than all those guys that you pointed out. And, no doubt. And those guys are having great seasons, which just goes to show just how good Adley has been. I'm so tired of this computer. Just going to, it says it's not supposed to go to sleep for 20 minutes and me not touching it. Um, <laughs> and mine does it every five minutes. i got to tap the trackpads. It's legitimately, it's every five minutes, and I have to um, type in a password. Yeah. Again, because it's my work computer. Mm. I have to type in a password every single time. And it's a long password. Like a really long one because you have to ha- like the, your the password has to be eighteen characters. I'm not I can even only joking. imagine what you made it. It has to be eighteen characters. It's Zach Goodman for president. Uh, 20, yeah, something uh, like Z- that. Zach Goodman for president, twenty thirty two. The big Grayson, the big rod, Rodriguez. The, the, the big, the big rod. Uh, it's got to stick. It's, it's got to stick. stick. Grayson, the big rod. So you think that an Adley Rutschman extension has to be ten years, three hundred fifty five, three hundred fifty million least, yeah. minimum, at least. Uh, uh, there's just no way they're doing that. There's no way. No, that they're, they're, they're not going to do it. There's, it's just not going to happen. They, they may have already come to him and been like, "Hey, ten years, two hundred ten million. He was like, "Uh, no." Yeah, they, they may have already done that. I mean, I would think it'd be foolish to think they haven't approached him at this point about an extension. Would it? Uh, would it be foolish to think that it's Adley Rutschman though? Yeah, after what he did to, last year, put up five WAR and like you know, not even close to a full season. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. It would be foolish, <laughs> but it would be foolish. You got a point. You got, you got a point. Right. Okay. Um, Ryan Mountcastle. Do you give Ryan Mountcastle an extension? No. not Definitely not for a first baseman. You don't think so? No. Who, who's coming up behind him? It's a good question. I mean, you have Kobe Mayo, who's a, a question mark, I guess, at this point. Samuel Vasayo can play a little first. And if Adley Rutschman... Kobe, Kobe Mayo, who's... Hitting 200 yeah. in double A. A lot of power, though. Um, if you look at Basayo, Heston Kerstad's been playing a lot of first base lately. Those are two guys that are possibilities. Basayo's three years away. Yeah, but he's been really, really good to start the year. Yeah, but he's he's 19. And Heston Kerstad, if he ends up a first baseman, which it looks like he's going to play a lot of it, uh, is really could be months away. Okay, and what about a DH? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you don't think that you could get Ryan Mountcastle to sign a seven-year... 140, sign, 140 million. Uh, I would not do that. You wouldn't give him 20 million a year. No, no. Okay, no. Yeah, you're probably right. You're first, pro- first baseman are too replaceable, in my opinion. You wouldn't give him 15 million a year for seven years. Not. I would never sign him to a seven year deal. No. Maybe who, maybe who, five years. Fifteen who, for five. Who, sure. Who's the last? Oh, I guess it was Chris Davis. I don't know, man. You say that they're too replaceable. Who in the? I I don't. There's just a lot of first basemen in this league that, you know, maybe not as good as Ryan Mountcastle and not even close to as good as him, but are relatively good lineup fillers that can hit a good amount of home runs. Eric Thames, no, I'm kidding about Eric Thames, but if, for example, Eric Thames came over and really didn't get paid much money at all and had a couple really good years, hit 30 home runs for like three years straight, that 
that's the, exactly the kind of thing I'm thinking of. So maybe he's not going to get on base like Ryan Mountcastle will. And even Ryan Mountcastle, it's a huge question for him. But maybe not hit for average. But you can probably find someone who might hit for the similar power for a little cheaper. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Ryan Mountcastle's 25, 26 years old. He's probably going to hit 30, 30, 35 home runs this year, if not more. Um, and yeah. I think he's going to hit about 260, 270 this year while playing pretty solid defense over at first base. I'd lock him up. If 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 you can get Ryan Mountcastle assigned for five or six years, averaging fifteen to eighteen million dollars a year, I think you do it. But in a full season he's never had an OBP over three oh nine. And even this year as well as it he's started off, his OBP is two eighty six. I don't know. I'm his not, own base percentage is only two eighty six. Two eighty six. So for what? me, I That's I, crazy. I am not signing him to a seven year deal. There is no question in my mind that's not happening for me. Maybe, yeah, seven, seven. I thought his one base percentage was far higher than that. Three to five years, maybe I can make an argument for that because he is probably going to hit thirty home runs a year. Yeah. So, man, two eighty six is so low. So he's only walked three times and struck out seventeen so far. So yeah, the, I don't care about the strikeouts. So those, that, that's those, fair. I, the, yeah. Those those are going to happen. I'm surprised. I thought he walked more than that. But and he's but, leading the major league in RBIs as well. Yeah, and he's second in home runs. Yeah. Um, he's he's off to a good start. What about Felix Bautista? Yeah, I would start considering it for sure. Uh, I think he's the, I think he's the best closer in baseball. I think he's one of them, and yeah. especially with Edwin Diaz out. Yeah, yeah. I, I nobody can touch him. No, yeah. nobody can touch him. It, when they make contact, you're shocked, right? Like yeah. when somebody gets a base hit off him, you're shocked. His stuff is unreal. He he, he can he can throw a hundred and one miles an hour anywhere he wants, and then. Oh, two. You know he's coming with a splitter. You know that pitch is coming, and yeah. you still can't hit it. He's striking out 20.3 per nine right now. 20.3. He, he struck out the side last night. Yeah. Every time yeah. he comes in, if he doesn't get two strikeouts, you're shocked. It's unreal. Uh, he's so good. And he's 28, 29 years old 28, now. 28, yeah. He's 28 years old. I think he turns 29 this year. I I would sign him 100%. I would, too. Now, what does that deal look like? You probably got to give him five years because guys demand so many years these days mm-hmm. and, and contracts. But I, I think... I think I think that if you... You maybe I, get a little bit of a discount given that he's a homegrown player, maybe something along those lines, and that the fact that he's already 28 years old. You may get a bit of a discount there. I, I think he's going to want five years, $100 million. I think that's the starting point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, you, it, you look at the Edwin Diaz contract, I think that's the starting point. Here's the good news, though. You've got him locked up for four more years after this one, most yeah. likely. So it, These are issues that the, the, a guy like Felix Bautista, you don't have to come. You don't right, have to, you don't have to right. approach that anytime soon. Yeah. Guys like Adley Rutschman. You gotta start talking about it. Yeah, you know, no, now, now, unquestionably. Are there any other? I mean, Gunner, Gunner, you, you think you're gonna want to extend him at some at point? at some point? Yeah, and 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 look, I'm not too concerned about Gunner because if you look up what Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt and Spencer Torkelson and what Adley Rutschman did, what they all did their first three to four weeks mm-hmm. last year, and I know and st- that and still with Torkelson, unfortunately, yeah, I, I know that Gunner got a cup of coffee for six weeks last year. Th- this is Gunner's rookie year. Yeah. Right. This is like teams weren't caught off guard by Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt last year. They knew they were coming. Right. So they had the whole offseason to plan to plan for him. Well, they had a lockout and all that. So I get that. But they had time to plan for him. Gunner, you're just kind of you had a little bit of minor league video and you're like, all right, we'll just do what we can for the last six weeks. They had the entire offseason to plan for Gunner. He's going to turn it around and you're going to want to extend him at some point. Who else on this team aside and Grayson Rodriguez? If we think he he is what he's going to become, but that's not somebody you're worrying about really right not now. Not yet, no. Right, so Gunner, Grayson, Felix, and Adley are the only ones you're legitimately considering extending right now. Am I correct? Is there anybody else that you would look at and be like, we should extend that guy? 
Yeah, it's tough. I don't know if there's anyone specific. I know Cedric Mullins has been a name thrown around a little bit. Up and but down with him, man. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, especially with Kerstad on the way, Kowser coming, and Kerstad's not a center fielder and will never play there. I'm but Kowser could easily play there. I'm and not be sold successful. on Colton Kowser yet. He hasn't performed that well this year so far either. He he so, ha- he hasn't performed ever at AAA. Yeah, he yeah. he got to AAA at Small the, towards, towards the end of the last year. The end of last year and beginning of this year, he has not been good at the AAA level. So to me, it leaves you wondering what uh what his value is. I know that he takes a lot of walks. Um, yeah, four hundred six OBP last year. I mean, yeah, that, that'll play. He takes a lot of walks, and he hit that four hundred seventy six foot home run down in Sarasota earlier in this uh, this past spring training. I gotta see him start hitting, and I gotta see him cut down on the strikeouts. Yeah, you're not wrong. You know, um, you're not wrong at all. I mean, I, I, I'm not ready to say, oh, we can get rid of Cedric because Colton Kowser's coming. Yeah. I get that he was a number five overall pick in the draft, but until he actually starts hitting yeah. at the upper levels of the minors, because Bowie, everybody hits a Bowie. I'm convinced that just everybody hits a Bowie. I, you're not wrong. Yeah, I, I, I got to see him do it at AAA for an extended period before I'm ready to say, oh, uh, Cedric is is um. What's the word I'm looking for? Is it expendable or expensable? Expendable is the word. Yeah. I, I don't know if necessarily either, though, you can take the other extreme and say extending Cedric Mullins is a good idea. Yeah, I don't know that you can say that either. Yeah, so. I, I think there's definitely someone. He's probably going to be a three or four player per year. But with the amount of money that he's probably going to command, you'd rather use that on a guy like Bautista or Rutschman. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, I, I or agree maybe with, Henderson or Rodriguez. I agree with that, and we, we're also discounting the fact that the Orioles might might be trading for for a player that, 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 that they're going to need, and they they could trade for a center fielder yeah. that can get on base better than Cedric Mullins. Sure, you know, uh, you you have no idea what they're what they're going to do, but right now Cedric's got to get it going. If Cedric gets it going and he's hitting two seventy five yeah. with with twenty steals at the All Star break. That's somebody who I would consider extending the way that he the, maybe the way that he looked at the beginning of the year last year the way that he looks at the beginning of the year this year now look what what did Cedric hit last year like two sixty uh like two sixty nine I think or yeah something I don't think it was lines. that high I think it was, yeah you I might think, be right I think it was like two sixty one we'll have to figure that out but um I'll get it we gotta get Cedric uh, Cedric Mullins <laughs> we gotta get Steve Molesky on the line here that'd be cool if we had Cedric uh, that would be cool I do uh, have his phone number in my phone do you I do. Um, that's, we that's, text all the time. Me and Teddy. Best yeah, yeah I, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he batted two fifty eight last year. Two fifty eight yeah. last year. He stole thirty four bags. Um, I don't know that you extend a two fifty eight hitter, but Kevin Kiermeyer has never been a two fifty eight hitter, and he's gotten con- two decent contracts. So, uh, today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Right now, I guess the only people you can make an argument for really at this point is Adley Rutschman and Felix Bautista. Maybe Mountcastle if he hits 280 with 40 home runs this year. If Cedric gets back to about 270 hitter and he steals 40 or 50 bags, um, Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson, I think down the line, you're going to look at those. Even Felix Bautista is a guy you're probably not looking at right now as giving an extension to because he's still got four years after this year of team control. So it's something that uh, the bottom line, I think what everybody can agree on here is Adley Rutschman should have an extension coming to him sooner rather than later. And it's only going to get more expensive the longer you wait. So. We'll have to see how that goes. I'm a little surprised that he hasn't been... Maybe he has been approached and we don't know, but I'm a little surprised that we haven't heard anything about it. He's clearly one of the best players in baseball, and all apologies to JT Realmuto. He's the best catcher in baseball. 
right now. I, I don't think you can really make a solid argument against that. Joining us on the line right now, finally able to get him back on the show for the first time in quite a while from MassInSports.com. He is Steve Molesky. Steve, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. This is the Bat Around. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, you got it, guys. What's happening? Uh, not too much. I'll tell you what's happening, honestly, is Adley Rutschman. He's happening all day, every day. He seems to be getting on base two to four times, two to five times every single game, Steve. As Adley goes, so go the Orioles. Discuss Adley's impact on this team and just how damn good he's been this year to start. Well, you know, it's remarkable to think back. Um, May 21, I guess it was, when he was called up. And look at how he's hitting now and think back to his start where after 20 games, 20 games, three weeks of baseball, he had no homers and no runs batted in. But once he started to hit, he hasn't stopped. And we know the Orioles had a winning record once he joined the team last year. So his impact is vast. And it's what you hope you get out of a 1-1. I mean, you hope you get a great player. And he seems to be that. And I think what put him over the top for the Orioles in that draft over Bobby Witt Jr., was while Witt plays a premium defensive position, Rutschman plays one that might be more premium. I mean, right. how many catchers are there out there that bring elite skills both sides of the ball? And he does, and he makes vast impact on both sides. And we're seeing it now. And I mean, his ability to calm himself and just be so relaxed in the last two games with game-on-the-line situations and come through is pretty remarkable. Steve, that at-bat last night where he hit the go-ahead double, it's a seventh inning, he's down 0-2. And I'm sitting there, I wasn't worried. I'm like, this count's getting to 2-2 before anything else happens. And then the third pitch of the at-bat, 99 miles an hour on the outer half, and he just rips it into the, into the left center field gap, puts such a beautiful swing on it. 99 on an 0-2 pitch on the outer half of the plate, Steve. Who does that? And then you look at... What the at-bats that he takes, the confidence that he has, and his knowledge of the strike zone, and then you look at the team as a whole. They led the majors in pitches per at-bat going into last night at 4.2. Then they saw 5.125 pitches per at-bat last night and walked nine times. How much of Adley is rubbing off on his teammates, or do you put more of that on the pitching coach, on the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches, than anything else? Well, I think it goes back to. Uh, things we've been talking about and I've been writing about on the farm in the new regime. And, and the term they've used from the beginning is swing decisions. Mm-hmm. And they do this on the farm where they challenge the hitters at 4 o'clock in batting practice by throwing all pitches. They don't just groove 80-mile-an-hour fastballs to get them loose. They challenge them. And I, I wasn't sure how that would go over. But it went over well. It turned out that these 20-year-old kids on the farm, they like that. They think that prepares them for the game. And the team has worked so hard on swing better swing decisions. Make sure if a pitch is on the corner early in the count, let that pitch go. You can't drive that pitch. Wait for one that's more middle-middle or, or one that you can hammer later in the at-bat. And they've done a great job with this, and two of their best students, are Adley and Gunner, and of course they already came to the team with good play discipline. So let's give them credit. It's not like they were not disciplined hitters and the Orioles made them that. They were pretty disciplined hitters, and the Orioles have made them maybe even a tick better. And so today, if you look at the walks leaders in the American League, you have Gunner at 12, Adley at 12, and Mike Proud at 12. 
So that's pretty impressive. I mean, when did we think we'd see two of three Orioles joining Mike Trout leading the league of walks, and the Orioles and on base are third in the American League? So this is big for this offense, which right now is scoring nearly six runs a game. Yeah, and, and Steve, I'm glad you brought up Gunnar Henderson because he does have the 12 walks, and he, he's hitting 150, but his own base percentage is 368, which is pretty pretty damn incredible when you consider the fact that he's hitting 150. Brandon High said that he thinks he's maybe being too patient uh, uh, at the plate. Do you buy into that, and do you think that it's only a matter of time before he really breaks out? I, I do. I think it's only a matter of time. And um, I talked to him during the homestand, um, and I reminded him, and he, I didn't have to remind him, that he started one for 31 when he moved to Aberdeen, mm-hmm. and everybody forgets that now. But there were times in Gunner's minor league career where periods went when he didn't hit. And so he's drawing on that experience now, and he told me that what he learned the most about that is don't show up every day and try to change something to fix it. It's not broken. Just stay with your process, your approach, as the Orioles like to say. And he told me it's a good thing he's drawing all those walks because he's seeing the ball well. He's not chasing to try to get hits, and eventually he will. I mean, he hit that double the other night, hit it really hard. And so it's going to happen for Gunner. It's a matter of time and he'll be ringing hits all over the ballpark. Uh, and I'll tell you, you mentioned the double the other night, the double on opening day. As soon as he got off the bat, I was like, I don't care who's playing center field, that ball's not getting caught. He hits the ball as hard as anybody in the league. And like you said, don't change the approach. And eventually, like you said, those hits are going to start falling. And I'm, I'm excited for when that happens because, Steve, the Orioles, you mentioned they're third in OPS. They're seeing more pitches than any team per at bat. They're, I think they're third in home runs. They are... Offensive and their second in runs only to Tampa Bay. They are offensively they are tearing the seams off the baseball. How much better can this offense be once Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, Anthony Santander pick things up? Right. I mean that's a very val- valuable point. I mean the Gunner's average is going to go up. Cedric we know will hit better, and Santander obviously these guys are have not performed to their track record yet, but they will. Cedric got off to a great start in Boston and really cooled after. So it's coming for them, and what what will probably happen is they'll start to get it going, and then Adley may have a two for fifteen because he's just right. going to. He's not gonna, yeah, you know, he's not gonna hit four hundred all year. We know that. Right. So ups and downs will be coming. You almost never have a stretch in your lineup where you go, wow, eight guys are hitting right now. You know, it might be three or four, but if it's the right three or four in the right spots, they can carry you, and then they fall off, and three or four pick it up, and. And then you look up at the end, and they all have had pretty solid years, or many of them. And that's what they're hoping. And so right now, you consider the starting pitching has not been good overall. Um, eight and six, I think you take that. Um, and if they catch the ball in Boston, it's nine and five. looks even better. So I think you got to say that's pretty good. They have not played murderer's row. We know that. And so they do have to roll some wins here in April. Uh, against the so-called lesser schedule, you know, based on last year's records, um, and get it, get get rolling here, and then straighten out the pitching, which I think Bradish's return, Grayson as he gets more experience, I think we'll see some of that. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the pitching. You were down there in Bowie for Bradish's start last night. Am I correct? I was. Yes, and he he. Uh, four of the five innings, he had clean innings. Um, he did give up four runs, three earned in the fourth inning. What did you see from Kyle Bradish in his rehab outing last night? And do you think from what you saw that he's ready to get it going in the big leagues uh, as early as Wednesday? He, he is, I think, and he thinks that, more importantly. 
Um, you know, he threw, he threw really well. His velocity was mid-90s, where you think it would be, maybe even a tick above. He was throwing all his pitches. The best part for him is he got through five innings. He ran his pitch count up to 82. So now in Washington, if he gets that start, he can go 90. You know, he's, mm-hmm. not, a, he's not a three-inning guy. He's a five- or six-inning guy if he pitches efficiently. So he can get you deeper into the game. And the velocity held through his start. And the best news, as he said, is his foot's completely healed. Uh, it's not thinking about it. It doesn't hurt. He can push off. He, he fielded a hard-hit ball, hit back at him. wasn't hit like the one in Texas, but it was a one hopper uh, on the mound that he gloved it. And he showed no ill effects of anything with the foot. says it's completely healed, and he's ready to go. Now... That's all great news to hear, especially that the foot doesn't isn't bothering him at all anymore. Uh, the Orioles' rotation has taken a hit with Bradish going down and with Irvin not pitching up to his capabilities and being demoted. I mean, we don't like to say demoted because it was a good time in the schedule to kind of send him down because they don't really need five starters for the next uh, five to seven days anyway. Um, and then you also look at Dean Kramer being pretty ineffective in his three outings, and Austin both hasn't. Uh, pitch lights out to at any point either this year. Who is the next guy up? I know they brought up Spencer Watkins. I have to believe that that would be more in a long relief type of role. Who would be the next guy to come up? And that would lead me into D.L. Hall. Do you view him as a starter or a reliever at this point? I think that he's a starter now. The team sees that because this is a pitcher with several plus pitches. Mm-hmm. So his profile says all these pitches he can throw that can be quality, that's what you want in a starting pitcher. And he's got the mindset of a starter, and, and he can throw 96, 98, 100. So he's, he's a starting pitcher for me. If over time his command and control eludes him more consistently as it has at times, um, that, that'll be the difference maker. And, but that doesn't lead to a good bullpen guy either. You don't just say, oh, he right. walks a lot of guys, so put him in the bullpen. Um, but D.L. Hall could be a late-inning Weapon, and there are some scouts and people in baseball who have been projecting him that for a couple of years now. But I think the Orioles are smart to realize that starting pitching is such a premium. If you have a young talent thinking to be a starter, you have to exhaust that, especially with a high draft pick, with a kid with this upside. You don't just move him in the bullpen because maybe you need a bullpen arm. Right now, they're, you know, they're, they're still they're making decisions to win now. We know that. But with young talent, you still have to make decisions for the long term for them, too. Um, it's not damn the torpedoes full speed ahead on every move here. But um, we'll see DL, and I think he's going to be good. And so fans have asked me, is he better than Grayson? And I say he's not, but I say this. If each pitcher threw their A1 game on back-to-back nights, they would look about identical. Not in their how they pitched, but maybe in the results. When, when DL is at his best and Grayson is at his best, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up to me. Mm-hmm. Grayson seems to, over his career, been at his best more often. He's more consistent with the command and control. That's the separator. But these are two kids with elite stuff. Steve, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Noah DeNoyer, uh, a guy who had a 2.89 ERA last year over 21 games pitched, struck out over 12 per nine. Is this a guy you look at uh, as a potential guy that could come in and, and pitch for the Orioles at some point this year or a potential piece down the road? Um, obviously, he's made some starts, also come out of the bullpen a lot, but in three games so far as a 1.8 
eight ERA uh, in 2023. Is this a guy you see as a piece? Yeah, I mean, when he when you got on the forty man as he did, you're probably going to get a shot, you know, because over six months they go back and forth with pitchers. I mean, and he threw that really good game the other night, so he definitely has put himself on the map. I mean, the Orioles have a lot of. I think they have some promising pitchers who aren't getting talked about much anymore. I I was at Bowie last night talking to Forrest Herman, the pitching coach there. They essentially have like nine starters, and they're pitching like two in a game, you know, almost a piggyback situation as they build up innings for these guys. And so Arm Brewster is there, and Chase McDermott is off to a great start, and Kate Povich is there, and Houston Roth pitched last night behind Bradish, and they, they just have a bunch of arms they like, some that are flying under the radar, but some that will be pushing for time. And then Denoyer's got a, he's a step above them right now because he's higher level and he's had uh, maybe more longer success and he's on the 40. So his day could be coming. Now, on the offensive side of things, we've seen uh, Heston Kerstad get off to a tremendous start uh, down there at Bowie. He has four home runs, more, <laughs> three more than anybody else on the team in just seven games. Uh, we know that he's going to make it to AAA at some point this year. Do you think Heston Kerstad is in the Orioles, will uh, maybe force the Orioles' hands to be part of their plans as early as the second half of this season? And then also, been spending a lot of time, he played three games at first base before he even set foot in right field this season. What's behind that as well? I mean, I think they basically know that this kid's coming fast. The power is legit and it's big he hit one out to the off field last night first inning and that's four homers in seven games so he's not his his batting average isn't great right now but his his power is and he just continues hitting from day one of spring going back to the end of last year he's just been raking for this extended stretch over two seasons now so the Orioles know they have a future nugget you know to use one of Buck's words (laughs) and I think the first base a move, and I was told last night he'll still be mostly an outfielder, but he's going to get two or three games a week at first properly because they want options. When when his day comes, whenever that is, the Orioles want to be able to say, we can play him in left, we can play him at right, we can DH him, we can play him at first. So that's four spots in the lineup he could fit. And they're just giving themselves more options because I think they realize this kid's going to make it. Yeah, I, I, he looked really good. And, I, and what I really like to see from him, Steve, was that towards the end of spring training, he was getting starts against big league pitchers, and he was continuing to hit. He looks like a guy who's going to be firmly in the middle of the Orioles' order, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. Um, and I know for sure he's in their plans, maybe as early full-time as 2024. So we will certainly see. Now, Steve, before we let you go, uh, we do play a little bit of uh, a little game here called Take the Rake. I think you may have played with us in the past. The rules are simple. You pick the one, the one offensive player that you think is going to have the best week between this Saturday and next Saturday. The only rule for you, Steve, is that you can't take Gunnar Henderson because our last guest took Gunnar Henderson. But you have... You can pick anybody else on the roster. Uh, I'm going to stay with Austin Hayes. I mean, that would be a nice extended stretch of hot hitting, but I, I love his approach right now. And he's, he's, taken, he's taken a middle field approach, and uh, I think uh, this winter when on my blog when we talked about the players, there were some fans starting to get a little down on Hayes because, okay, he didn't tear it up all last year, but he still – was a little above average hitter, just a little. But I think 
he can take a little above average and, and become significantly above. And I just go back to when he was on the farm, he was Baseball America Player of the Year finalist uh, with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Ronald Acuna. Mm. So he was considered in that class then. And I'm not putting him in that class now, and maybe he won't be. But I think there's another gear he can find, and he's finding it right now. And, again, he's going to be in left field in Baltimore with his speed and arm. It's going to impact games there, too. So uh, he's got such a great outlook, and he's such a great fit in the clubhouse that I really like Hayes. And I think he's just getting off to a great start. I think it'll keep going for a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's an excellent, excellent pick. He, anything he hits, he tears a cover off of. Steve, thank you so much. We love having you on the show. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Well, at MassInSports.com, of course, we write every day there. And Mass and Steve on Twitter. And I'm also doing, again this year, uh, post-game radio. Not today, but many after many games, they can call in and listen in on WBAL Radio, the Oriole flagship station. The game broadcast goes about 20 or 30 minutes after the last pitch. And most days, again, not today. Don't tune in today and say, where's Steve? <laughs> but I'll be back tomorrow, for instance, after the game with a uh, post-game show on WBAL Radio. Uh, Steve, we look forward to hearing all those. They're always a, uh, a great show following an Orioles game. Thank you so much for taking some time. We will talk to you down the road, okay? You got it. Have a good one. You too. See you. That was Steve Molesky joining us uh, for a segment here. I love talking to Steve. He's got so much knowledge about the the yeah. big league team and, more importantly, for, especially with your top farm system, the minor league team as well. He watches. Yeah. He sees a lot of Orioles minor league baseball, so it's uh, really great to have him on the program. I like his take for Take the Rake yeah. uh, with Alston Hayes. Uh, we're going to catch a break. When we come back, we'll give our pick for Take the Rake. We'll do um, the better round and close things out with our final thoughts. want to remind you that today that these are truly the final days to pick up this print issue of Pressbox featuring Gunnar Henderson on the cover. And coming this Wednesday, a new edition of Pressbox hit stands recognizing the pipeline of talent that is still to come for the Orioles, like we just said, Steve Molesky is at the forefront of that. Uh, it's including Jackson Holiday, Colton Kowser, Heston Kersak, Kobe Mayo, and so many more. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Rolling right along here, final segments of the show. Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressbooks. Press Books, Press Box Sports, or listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with the infamous Ken Francis, top Orioles prospect Kobe Mayo, White Sox slugger, Baltimore native Gavin Sheets, and Freddie Kitchens, who was Odell Beckham's coach in Cleveland. Mm. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark Radio. Proud to bring you the bat around. Um, also, one of <laughs> my last read before we went to break about the print, the print issue. It's about um, the Orioles' prospects, their farm system, and I said Steve Molesky's at the forefront of it. I want to be sure that you all know that Steve Molesky is not featured or writing in press box. But we were talking to Steve Molesky before I did that read, and it, I was tying it in, but it may have been confusing. He is not in our press box print issue that comes out on Wednesday. But go pick it up because you're going to get to learn about all the Orioles' top prospects coming from the top farm system in baseball. And now it is time for Take to Rake. <laughs> uh, last week, I, at 2-0, got to pick first again for the third straight week. I took Cedric Mullins. He went 4 for 24, 4 walks, 6 strikeouts, 2, two uh, ribeye stakes, and 3 stolen bases. Zachary Goodman took Jorge Mateo. He went four for 16, two doubles, four RBIs, one walk, five Ks, two stolen bases. Neither one of them raked, but Mateo... Um, the OPS was basically 700. Um, yeah. Mateo had less at-bats. I don't think he would have gone 0 for 8 and not gotten on base in those eight at-bats that were missing. Cedric Mullins, I think the on-base percentage was better. Um, But it's raking, not walking. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to uh, we're going to say Jorge Mateo got Zach his first win of the year. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it anytime I can get it. Yeah, that's what I hear about. <laughs> See, you. I, I, so, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, 
I would never let Cedric Mullins beat me either because he's my he's my winner every time I pick him. Uh, except last time, that doesn't count. Well, if he had had two uh, two more hits, you would have had no choice. Yeah. All right. So uh, I don't really think there's anyone I could pick besides Rushman or Mountcastle. Um, so my decision here is probably going to be. Uh, I'll go. I'd be stupid not to go Rutschman. I'll just go Rutschman. Yeah, you'd be stupid not to go Rutschman. I can't take Austin Hayes because Steve Molesky took Austin Hayes. Yeah. <sighs> do I want to take Mountcastle? Do I want to take a flyer on I mean, somebody it, that I think... Mateo's up there if you want to take that. Uh, Adam Frazier's on the board. You never know. Might get a few, few base gonna, hits. I'm, I'm going to take Gunner. Okay. I'm going to take Gunner. I, I I don't know that he's going to hit 350 this week. But I think he's going to start getting some hits to start to start dropping, especially facing. Uh, he's not he's not playing today. I probably should have taken a guy who's playing today, but should have taken four hitter James McCann. Yeah, I mean that. Right. <laughs> um, and he might not play tomorrow against Dylan. Well, no, he'll play against Dylan Cease tomorrow. Um, but they got some games against DC, and then they come home and they play Detroit. Um, I think he's going to have an he, opportunity. A lot of wins they should be able to get in the stretch. Yeah, Detroit, uh, yeah. DC. That and should, then after you Detroit, should, you they should. have they have Boston in Baltimore, mm. okay, so uh, and I think it, it, in Baltimore, I think they're better than Boston. How many games combined is that DC and Detroit series? Six, seven. DC and Detroit is five. Five. Oh, you, wow, you have okay. two in DC, so you're off. Mm. You're off um, Monday. You play Tuesday, Wednesday in DC. You're off Thursday. And Be a big missed come. opportunity if they don't win four or five. Yeah, they, they got to they got to win four or five, they and should. I want to see them win two or three against Chicago. I like to see yeah. them sweep. Yeah, but win today. Yeah. Win today, and then whatever happens tomorrow, if they win, it's just gravy. If they lose, okay, it's hard to sweep a series. I mean, Detroit is... Against did, did you see what Javi Baez did, by no. the way? No, what did he do? Javi, so he got thrown out of the game by A.J. Hinch uh, because A.J. Hinch was, I guess, tired of his antics, whatever. Baez had no idea how many outs there were, was standing on second base. Uh, the hitter hits a fly ball to center field, and Baez just takes off. Just a, a routine can of corn fly ball, e- easily going to be caught. And Baez just takes off like there's two outs. He gets to third and realizes, oh, there was one out. Goes back, obviously gets thrown out for the double play, and he gets kicked out of the game by AJ Hitch. Javier Baez is a mess. Yeah, it, it, what what the, a the, what a waste of money. The, the oh. Tigers are a mess. Yeah, AJ Hinch is like done with this. Team. Yeah, you can see his facial expressions. He is he's done. Well, he they were somebody, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody who tried who went to try to steal second two nights ago, two or three nights ago. And got thrown out and didn't even slide. Wow. And they asked wow. him about it. And at the end of the game, he goes, yeah, you'll have to ask him. I, I don't, I've never seen that where a guy tries to steal a base and doesn't slide. I mean, this in is a second. He said, you can tell that he is like, he yeah. hates his roster. Maybe he doesn't hate his roster, but he's like, who wouldn't though? He's like done with, with uh, this. With Baez too. I mean, that's something that little leaguers don't make that mistake. That is a horrible mistake to make as a major league baseball player to not know how many outs there are and run like there's two that's you can't do it you just can't do it yeah and Baez knew he he screwed up I mean he looked he looked frustrated but that's that's totally on him it's on no one else but him yeah no I I agree with you I I, so far he's hitting uh 159 with a 245 on base percentage so hasn't been Javi Baez's year and he hasn't hit a home run yet uh he only has three RBIs and last year 278 on base percentage it has been a Fall yeah, a quick they, fall for Javi Baez. Yeah, they gave him a lot of money to not be very. Ever good since at all. he uh, the the New York fans, the Mets fans booed him and he gave them a thumbs down. Uh, it's been kind of a downhill roller coaster for Baez ever since. But yeah, <laughs> I don't want to hate on Javi Baez to finish the finish the show. But 
All right. So it's here's better. here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna jump into the better round. Um, the Orioles are facing off against Michael Kopech today. Yep. Kopech six seventy five ERA in two starts. He has walked six in his two starts, and he's given up five home runs in two starts after allowing just fifteen in twenty five starts last year. He's gonna figure it out. He's gonna figure it out at some he's point. He's a good pitcher. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna say that the what you should take to hit a home run, you're getting plus three forty odds on Ryan Mountcastle. Um hmm. Ryan Mountcastle to Homer off of Kopec today. Uh plus three forty odds. If you wanna do another one that I that I really like would be hang on, let me uh batter props. Hang on one second. To hit the first home run, Ryan, Mount, Ryan Mountcastle at plus 750. I can see him hitting a first okay. inning home run. So Ryan Mountcastle plus 340 just a homer today or plus 750 to um, hit the first home run. I think either way, yeah, it's it's a good bet. Maybe you could parlay, parlay those. You could parlay those together. Um, I also am saying, because I think that Kopech is a better pitcher than what he's shown, take the under on nine runs today. Kyle Gibson's been pitching really well. The White Sox haven't been taking great at bats. Um, Minus 105 on the under of nine runs today. I could see this being a five to three ball game. Easily. Something like that. Here's the weird thing with Kopech too. And this is going to even out at some point in his career. I don't know if it'll it'll be now or later when it will be. But struck out 13.4 per nine in 2021. 2022 went all the way down to Mm -hmm. 7.9. And this year back up to 8.4. I think Kopech is a much better pitcher than what he shows. Uh, his FIP wouldn't wouldn't exactly tell you that, and his WHIP wouldn't either. But he strikes out a lot of guys. Uh, doesn't necessarily have the best control in the world. He, he's already walking five guys a game this year, and he walked four point three last year per nine. But Kopech is going to figure it out at some point. You just hope it's not the Orioles today, but it absolutely could be. He could easily strike out 11 or 12 today. He could, but you also have to remember that the Orioles are seeing more pitches. They're going to make them work. They are. And once they get into that bullpen, yeah. but they're going to they're gonna need him. The, the, the White Sox need to get length yeah. out of him, they're 100%, because they don't want to put this game on, on the backs of the bullpen. So uh, last week we took Judge plus 290, uh, plus 2,900 to homer twice. That was a miss. He didn't, hit, he didn't homer at all. The next day, he hit two home runs. Yeah, um, yeah. We were a day early. Uh, we took the over on eight runs. That at minus one one fifteen. Uh, that was a miss. O's lost that game four to one last Saturday. So again today, Ryan Mountcastle plus three forty to hit to homer, plus seven fifty to hit the first homer, and the under on nine runs. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. I want to take the over. I think really. Both, I, I'm going to say take the over uh, at minus one fifteen because I'm thinking about both of these bullpens. And I think that the Orioles may have used a lot of bullets last night. That's fair. That's fair. Um, both these bullpens haven't been very good to this point. So take the over on nine runs okay. at minus one fifteen. And if I uh, if I'm wrong, we'll discuss it next week on the bat around. Well, blame you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> blame me. Uh, final thoughts. You won. Take the rake. And I think I went first last week. Anyway, so what are your final thoughts? Uh, I didn't necessarily have a final thought prepared, but I, I guess tomorrow. Uh, Getting to Dylan Cease early and often would have to be uh, what they're going to have to do if they want to win that game and if they want to have any chance. I expect Grayson Rodriguez to probably go about five innings. Maybe he gets six. Maybe you get eight strikeouts out of him and he gives up two earned runs. That would be 
preferable. That would be, you know, give him give Brandon Hyde some length, save that bullpen a little bit. But you got to get to Dylan Cease, get good at bats off Dylan Cease, let him walk you, let him walk mm-hmm. you, and they will do that. The Orioles have been taking walks this year, so they've already been doing that. Continue that against a guy that is going to walk about four, you know, four players per nine. Yeah, my final thought is I watched that game last night, mm-hmm. and what I saw from that game was when the Orioles started piling on at the end. The body language of the White Sox players, they gave up. The double, um, the Hayes hit, not the double, the Hayes hit, the, um, the double that O'Hearn hit. The center fielder came over and fielded after Ben and made the weirdest looking jump of all time and missed the ball. Um, and he just kind of like, just kind of lollygagged. He didn't really, he, he just kind of stood there and was like taking his time, like, who am I going to throw this in? So you could just tell that he was like, oh, here we go again. The the Hayes the double the 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 Hayes the double the double that Hayes hit again he smashed it off the wall 110 and a half miles per hour off the bat they had an opportunity to get him at second base and nobody covered second base yeah nobody covered the bag the whole point in this is the White Sox kind of quit last night get out to an early lead against them put something together make Kopech throw a lot of pitches tonight or this afternoon make Cease throw a lot of pitches tomorrow afternoon. Get out to an early lead and watch this team quit. Yeah. Watch the White Sox quit. These are games that you can win because the White Sox don't think that they can win yeah. right now. Maybe, and, and stop giving up early runs. The Orioles are just giving up. They're, they're falling behind a lot in the first inning. It, it, you don't want a White Sox lineup that has some good hitters in it to get confident. So shut them down in the first inning, get some early runs, take an early lead, Keep the same approach. Keep taking a lot of pitches. Keep making these starting pitchers work, and you're they're they're gonna break. The White Sox are gonna break. You saw you saw it start last night. The body language was awful. The last couple of innings of that ball game. So that's my final thought for today. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Steve Molesky, who was great as always today, talking some Orioles minor leagues and what's happening at the big league level right now. And uh, thanks to all of the listeners. Without the, without you, we don't have a show. Thanks to our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thanks to Zach Goodman for the great work that he does each and every week, co-hosting and producing this show. The, what he has to do over there behind those computers, it's no small task. So we certainly appreciate your help every week. Um, guys, Orioles, 8-6, and six, have an opportunity to win the series here, have an opportunity to win a lot of games before they hit a brutal stretch in May. So they got to win these games. They, they have to, uh, especially Detroit. I mean, Washington played the Guardians really hard last night. Uh, they they ended up Guardians one four three, but they put up a good fight. Uh, there's some decent pitching in that Washington rotation that's kind of quietly been good this year. That may be a tougher series, only two games. You got to beat Detroit. Well, you got to turn that into Camden South. Yeah, you, you've got yeah. to. And the Orioles fans usually do. They usually show up in DC for those games. So uh, until next week, see ya. <laughs>